We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Friday. I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes Podcast. Packed, packed Friday show for you. We have former Ole Miss legend Bill Flowers uh, on the show to rehash uh, Ole Miss's win over Auburn in 2003. Uh, you might remember that as the infamous drop third down pass. Bill Flowers actually had a pretty crucial catch on third and 11 with about seven minutes to go that really uh, catalyzed that final drive for the Rebels as they went up 24-20. to 20. Auburn drives back down the field. Guy drops third down pass. You know the story. Just a wild game. Talked about his career a little bit playing with Eli Manning. Pretty cool conversation there. And then we will get to Friday picks with LB's Greg to kickstart your Halloween weekend. Before we get to that, I want to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. They're the inventors of the Skybox matrix interval and advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the industry. You need to check these guys out. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range. Already got a 7-0 and 9-1 NFL week under their belts this year. They're up a bunch of units. I'm too slow to do this math uh, that we have in front of me on the year crushing it in NASCAR. They've got a Monday night football contest, 250 bucks. You must reply to all correct answers in their tweet. That's at skyboxsportspicks.com. They have the line, the over under first touchdown scorer and leading rusher. If you go follow them and reply and retweet the tweet. So you've got to follow them, retweet it, like, and reply. And you get all four of those right, you will enter to win a chance to win 250 bucks. I imagine you'll win 250 bucks. I can't imagine two people get all four of those correct. So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. They will ride along with us in the college picks as they do usually. And then you need to go check out their NFL picks. Use the promo code RIPPY, whatever picks package you get, whether that's month long, season long. I'd recommend going all sports just for the year. It's going to pay itself back and then some, or even just a daily pass. If you want to get a little taste or try them out, use the promo code RIPPY and you'll get 20% off any purchase. Skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue. Greg needs no intro. It's Friday picks. Check them out. We do have one update to the deal. Greg texted me and said uh, the RIPPY Wright special 16-ounce prime strip pack of sausage. Now 25 bucks combined. So that's 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks, $5 pack of sausage. And he said beef prices are soaring. 
Thanks a lot. Let's go. Brandon is the text I read. Whatever you want to read into that, it's still a hell of a deal, but uh, we, did have to, we did have to make it up for uh, an update for it as uh, I guess the prices of beef are skyrocketing. They've gone up like 10 bucks in the last two months. So that's not, that's not, not, not what you want to see, but still getting a hell of a deal. Check them out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger, the best place in the world to get meat. Lane Train Special, all kinds of great sausages. Greg talked, I forget what it was, some kind of sort of boudin deal that he's got going on, which sounded delicious when I was talking to him last night. So check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. We got an awesome Friday show for you. Let's get rolling. Here's Bill Flowers. All right, we now welcome on Ole Miss legend Bill Flowers. This is two weeks in a row we've had two guys on from the 2003 team, which, as I explained to Travis Johnson last week, was right in that sweet spot for me as a kid. That was really the first good team uh, growing up an Ole Miss fan and going to all the games with my dad and all that that I experienced. Because, again, 9, 10 years old, I don't remember a lot of really any season before that. I sort of remember that uh, seven overtime game bits and pieces, but that was the first one I was kind of, like, alive and well for. Uh, I kind of had, like, really conscious memory of what was kind of going on and really invested in it. I wanted to have you on because I would said right before we started recording that your third down catch in this Ole Miss-Auburn game in 03 – was something that stuck out to me about that game, even more so than the guys dropped third down in the end zone. I don't know why. I'm glad you you validated me. You mentioned that that was one of the bigger catches of your career. I appreciate you joining us. I'm looking forward to catching up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'll be glad to talk about that catch. That was probably my one of my most memorable catches in my in my career. Uh, one, I'm from the state of Alabama. Had a lot of family in in the uh, the crowd. Uh, that day, uh, friends and family. Um, so, you know, you're always wanting to, to perform well in front of your uh, uh, peers and, and family. Uh, so the, my first experience at Jordan Hare as a player was in 2000, uh, I'd say probably 2001. We, we, we went down there. Uh, I really didn't get to play anything. I was just on the sideline. And uh, when, they, when they came out to Eye of the Tiger, uh, it literally, it shook my eyes. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> it's the only stadium that I've played in where you truly feel the percussion of, of just the, the vibration of the noise. And uh, I got to play in all the stadiums in the SEC except for one, which was Tennessee. Uh, but, I mean, on the field, it's louder than uh, um, Death Valley. Uh, for me. Wow. And so uh, that experience uh, on that third down uh, all, all game long, they were really running some difficult uh, coverages for Eli and I. Um, one of the, the situations, you know, you face as, as a receiver and a quarterback is that if, if, if a hot guy, if, if they put too many people in the box and they bring a safety or they bring a linebacker, then the quarterback and the receivers have to be on the same page. You have to recognize that, and you're going to have to adjust your routes. And what they can do is they can put they can put themselves in a position where it makes it very difficult to understand and to read what's the best route. So, for example, cover two where the safety's going to where the safety's going to be over the top, and the and the corner is going to sit press uh, close close to the corner. I mean, close to the receiver. Um, and kind of sit there. Well, what they were doing a lot, they were bringing, they were bringing blitzes and they would drop the corner a little bit back to where you couldn't, he wasn't far enough to where you want to take the deep ball because you knew you had over the top help. Plus he was dropping back, but he was also, uh, wasn't 
sitting far enough back to where you wanted to run the hitch route, a, a little quick little hitch. And so all throughout the game, they had been playing that kind of coverage and it was difficult for us. They had a great defense that year. And so going into that, that play, we were down by, I think, you know, I think four points, whatever. And uh, we knew we were down and it was, this was essentially our last drive. We knew that this was our, our last drive. Uh, we were, I think on our own 20 yard line, um, we're going to the huddle and it literally, you could, could, it was just white noise, pure white noise. And uh, you couldn't hear. So, you know, in those situations, Eli is going to audible, you know, you can call whatever you wanted to call. When you get to the line of scrimmage, you're going to make an audible, you're going to make a play, especially with uh, in that situation, most likely. So uh, we get to the line and it literally, it just ratches up even, even louder. And because I mean, we're in their end zone and it is just pure white noise and they snap the ball uh, they kind of dropped back uh, to, and Eli had Eli had overlooked over me, and we uh, switched the switched the play, and you communicate through hand signals, and uh, I went, you know, instead of instead of uh, kind of figuring out do I do a hitch route or do I do a takeoff, they gave me a little enough room to where I, I saw where I was going to take a, I was going to get up around the corner. Plus we were, I think it was, I think it was third and seven, actually. It might've been third and seven. And so I knew the hitch route wouldn't work. So I went up and just, just took off and Eli threw the ball perfectly in between the, the corner and the safety. Uh, I think, I think it was Carlos, uh, not Dansby, but uh, um, Carlos Rogers just teed off on me, uh, held the ball um, and, was able to complete that drive, uh, you know, for our first down. And then, you know, I think it was uh, Rick Rosano out, out, out of the back, out of the backfield, the next play, we go on down and then Townsend uh, for the touchdown. Uh, so that was, that play allowed us to extend that drive and uh, really kind of take the air out of, uh, out of Auburn. Um, and it was just a really neat play um, to be able to, to, to do that in that stadium in front of friends and family. It was, it was a, it was a, a pretty cool experience. For those that most people listening to this, like obviously remember that game, but for some of the younger people, younger people than me out there, 2003 Ole Miss is in the heat of the SEC West race that ends up setting up that showdown with LSU um, a week or two later. I can't remember how far off it was, but it wasn't too far off. All, that's a back and forth game all game. Ole Miss down 24-20 with seven minutes left and they take over the ball. You mentioned that was pretty much our final drive. And I think what people forget about in this day and age of like modern football now, things then like tempo was not necessarily as big of a thing. And that was a, both a good and a bad thing in some ways. But you're right. I was watching the replay of that game the other, I guess like Tuesday, Wednesday morning. Like seven minutes to go then is different than seven minutes to go now. I mean, how now in a lot of games it's common to get three, four possessions. That really just wasn't the case then. You know, still a lot of eye formation sets, a lot more emphasis on the run, and you didn't have this infatuation with tempo. So you're right. I'm sure y'all took the field that on that drive being like, you know, there's no guarantee we're going to get the ball back. This is kind of it. According to ESPN, it says you're third and 11. And then I thought you brought up an interesting point with that coverage because when you caught that pass, I was trying to figure out what that route was. And so you mentioned it being kind of in between two different ones. Was that you just kind of trying to find space? Yes. Yeah. So again, it's, it's third and 10 and you know, they're blitz. You know, they're blitzing. Right. You can't do a hitch route 
he's he's sitting at seven yards to where if they throw a hitch route, okay, the you know that it's between you and him in the corner. Right. So they know they feel comfortable that they will be able to get a receiver on the ground. And so uh, they they put a they put us in that position. So I just said I just I just went up around them. So like on a cover two, you always outside release. And so I just took it as an outside release. Um, again, he was backing up far enough to try to keep me from getting up around him. And so I just, I just outside release, got outside him and Eli threw it, you know, perfectly, uh, you know, off, off his butt, uh, as I, as I left, as I went around him and that allowed me to catch the ball between the corner and the safety, uh, for a first down. How did you guys handle that whole, like going into that game, it just seemed y'all were like y'all are in fight after fight. And I know y'all are as hot as any team in the country at that point. But as you particularly see, I mean, you've seen Ole Miss teams in the past. I think of the 14, 15 team. Y'all are in the middle of this run that started in Gainesville. You'd beaten Arkansas. Yeah. You come off a hard-fought win at home against South Carolina. How did you guys continue to get up every week amidst winning? What was that, six in a row y'all had won? Yeah. That was right before the LSU game. Y'all had a bye. How did you get up every week? Exactly. So I'll just tell you right now, and I've alluded to this before, I hate buys, especially going into the really? games. Uh, oh, terrible. I hate them with a passion. Because what happens is that you'll get a team like us uh, that was on a roll. That year, Cutcliffe had pretty much primed us to be the team that if we were going to win a championship, it was probably going to be that team. He redshirted a lot of guys. Um uh, from my class on and he wanted to build a lot of seniors and he wanted to, he wanted to build a lot of older, you know, underclassmen. So by the time we got to that, that point in our, in our team's career, we weren't having to be, we weren't having to practice like you. So maybe like, like a younger team where Cuckoo would just, you know, beat our brains in uh, and just try to, blue collar work in it it was more this this season was much more of a you know what you guys know exactly what to do uh you're mature when you get out on the field you you're you're efficient and you're effective and we want to save your legs and so our practices were never really more than an hour and 45 minutes and that is that's pretty quick so from that standpoint you you have a mature team so you can it's like a kid you know hey we're going to, we're going to allow you to show us that you're responsible. Well, that's what he did. I'm going to allow you guys to show me that you're responsible enough to be able to handle this and to take a, a an hour and a half to hour and 45 minute practice um, and to make the most of it so that when you do go out and play on Saturday, you are fresh. And so I think that was a huge, a huge advantage to us. Um, and we, people might think that these, these, uh, these times where we're t- unless you're just unless you have injuries, it, it's like it doesn't matter. Uh, that's what you're designed to do. You're designed to play every weekend. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, you again, our bodies weren't physically you know worn down from a from a leg standpoint. Our legs were fresh because we weren't having to practice so much during the week, um, and so we never really thought, man. Are we just going to wear out? No. When, when we played LSU with that off week, we lost a lot of momentum, and it took us to about third quarter to get, to get our momentum back. 
Right. That makes sense. What do you so leading up to that fourth quarter? It's a back and forth game. It's crazy going to back and watching. I mean, this is true for any game you replay in the SEC. The amount of guys you're like, oh yeah, he played a long time in the NFL. He did too. And you just go down the line. I mean, it's Jason Campbell, Cadillac Williams. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's guys on Ole Miss' side too, right? It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I, you remember the Ole Miss ones. You just don't, it's harder to remember some of the other guys. That seemed like a pretty physical game. It was certainly back and forth. Auburn seemed to have a kind of chance to create separation, particularly later in that game, that missed field goal that I think was right before you guys got the ball back certainly helped. Just what do you remember about that game all the way up until that last drive? Uh, you know, it was, it was just one of, it was just a, that it was a typical uh, SEC West grind game. I mean, it was not, I, I knew I, I had a very good game that game. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I felt like we were able to, 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 to do most of the things that we wanted to do. I mean, we knew we weren't just going to go out there and just be them every single, you know, it wasn't going to be a barn burner. It was going to be a, you know what, we're going to go out there. We're going to execute, you know, the team that makes the, the fewest mistakes, you know, was going to win. Um, and there's only a few, in every game, there's a few plays that will define the game. And so that was one of our maxims that coach Cookliffe would always say is, you know, one of them is the team that makes the fewest mistakes will win. And you never know what play is going to – you never know what few plays are, are going to define the game. And so you just have to have that mental mindset of just staying focused and staying um, disciplined throughout the game. And that's, and that's what we did. So you don't really you're, – you're trained to do that. You're trained to stay in those moments, especially when you're, you have a much more mature team. And a, and a quarterback like Eli. Absolutely. And so you mentioned about that game, like it wasn't, Ole Miss was ranked and Auburn was like six and three or six and four coming in, but it was really kind of deceiving. Auburn had lost at home to USC at the height of their run at the beginning of the year. And then a weird game to Georgia Tech, but they had reeled off wins against top 10 teams three, four weeks prior to that. They lost a tough one to LSU, but Auburn was playing much better than they had been in at the end of the year. This felt like, Really kind of – there's some similar, not the exact same parallels to you guys' 03 season and this one that Ole Miss is about to go to this Saturday because it felt like the penultimate hurdle where it was like if we can get through this game, it's going to set up the LSU game, whereas Ole Miss, look, I know they can't take Liberty lightly. Let's be honest. I don't think Liberty has the athletes. It feels like if Ole Miss can get through this last month, this last test in October and set up that game against A&M in a couple weeks – you know, they'll have a shot to a real chance. That's when the conversation becomes real about, you know, winning out and finishing 11 and one. Did you guys kind of feel that too? I know you had the bye week coming up, but did you just kind of feel, okay, we've made it this far. This is kind of our last test. And then we get to take, you know, one last swing at winning the West, if that makes sense at all. No, uh, I think you, I think you, I think teams that are mature truly can take the mindset of one game at a time. Um, it's easy to think that teams do that. Now, I will tell you, sometimes you will play to your opponent's level. Um, that's natural. And you have to really fight to not do that. Um, but when you're playing an SEC caliber team, you know, you, you never overlook somebody. You never look at, you know, just turn your back to them or anything like that. Um, so, I think that with Kiffin, 
I think they have enough players on that team that are mature enough to take the to, to take the focus that even after they go down and beat Auburn, they're not going to overlook Liberty. They're not. They're I think they they realize that Liberty is a team that can can get up and beat you. Hey, listen, just like just like Tulane. Tulane wanted to give us everything that they possibly had. They had nothing to lose. Tulane has nothing uh, – Liberty would have nothing to lose. So, for us, when we played Auburn, we thought nothing of it. We just thought, listen, one game at a time. And that's literally what you, what, what you do at this time of the season. Uh, Cutcliffe would always say, they remember in November. So, you know, that's, that's what happens. When you're trying to do bowl selections back then, um, you know, whoever's going to – you know what you do in November is going to dictate what you're what you did in the postseason. Absolutely. So we're up to the last drive. It it got kind of dicey for you guys for a little bit because Auburn goes up twenty to seventeen on a actually what was a longer field goal attempt, and then you guys go three and out and punt, and they drive it pretty deep into Ole Miss territory, and the kid misses a field goal. Kind of take me through. Okay, they get the stop, right? Like, you're going to have a chance regardless because they're kicking a field goal to their missing. Like, what are you guys' mindset on the sideline? What's the sideline like as you're watching Auburn drive, then the stop, and now you got to take the field? Well, I mean, you, you just realize, okay, this is probably our last drive. I mean, that's what you, you take it as. Because you can never just assume that if we, again, you know, back then, seven minutes, okay, we'll probably hold the ball for, you know, four or five minutes. Uh, we don't drive, then you lose the ball. You, you lose the game. So, again, that's why that, that particular catch for me was one of my bigger catches uh, in my career because you realize this is, this is the, probably the last opportunity you get. Cutcliffe was not going to pull a Kiffin fourth, you know, fourth <laughs> down, you know, go for it in your 20-yard line. He just wasn't, and nor should he have, you know, with, with seven, minutes, seven minutes to go. So, again, I knew it. Eli knew it. Everybody knew it. This was our last play. If we didn't get it, we lost the game. That's a great point you bring up, too, because in that moment when I'm watching the – not the full game replay, but the highlights for the first time where it's like, oh, third and 11, you know, they would have had a shot on fourth down that you wouldn't have. You're exactly right. There's no shot he's punting with – No, especially no, especially no not shot he's going line. for it with six minutes to go in the game. But that play, that kind of epitomized what you did, like playing with Eli, right? Like, I, from yeah. what I remember, you were a good receiver, but in your specialty was just if there's a third down and things start to go sideways, you would always find space and get open. You were just kind of always available on third down, and you came down with it more times than not. Did, did you kind of relish that, I guess, aspect of your job? Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of people don't realize that one of my – well, probably my best route was my deep route. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the year the year after that, you know, uh, I, I take a I think it's sixty three yard touchdown. It's you know on, on takeoffs. And so, so for me, it was it wasn't so much. Um, I mean, I loved just the opportunity to play. I loved the opportunity to go across the middle and sort of take take the air out of a crowd. Uh, you know, if the ball's in the air. I just wanted it. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I was, I just, I wanted to make myself uh, the guy that if you throw the ball to him, he's going to catch it. And so, you know, for me, um, we had a great uh, Chris Collins and I, people don't realize uh, my, our, my sophomore year, his junior year, 
the position that we played was a really cool, unique position. So it was an X, X uh, position where we, you could take that position and take him as a, as an outside receiver. That's a much more uh, um, refined position, the outside receiver, because you're going to, you're, you're going to have to do one-on-one press coverage stack. You know, you're just, it's, you're on an Island and you're going to have to read a lot more on from safeties and corners. And anyways, but you could also take that guy and put him in a slot position and put him against corner, uh, against a, a, a strong safety or, or a linebacker and really focus on that guy to do what you want to do uh, to, for, for mismatches. And so it was unique, and I was uh, fortunate to be able to, to play uh, that position. So it just allowed me to be able to catch a lot of balls in the middle, uh, catch a lot of balls on the outside. Um, so wherever, whenever the opportunity came for me to be the guy that Eli looked to, you know, I took it as my responsibility to, to make sure that I, uh, you know, did it. And I can tell you the Arkansas game, uh, on seven overtimes, Ken Hamlin, if you ever go back and look at that game, yeah. oh my gosh, Eli rolls out. Um, I'm taking a drag route. And I'm probably about, I'd say about 17, 18 yards across the middle going up. Eli uh, throws it. The second that ball hits my hand, Ken Hamlin just absolutely puts his helmet through the back of my back, through my spine, into my chest. I catch the ball. And as a receiver, I hold on to it. And I can't even, I, I can't even breathe. But. I know that Ken can't believe that he didn't dislodge that ball. And so as a receiver, that's part of like, that's part of what you want. You want to go, Oh my gosh, what can I do to dislodge the ball from this guy? Like you just, you create so much respect amongst the players going, if this ball's in the air or this guy's going to catch it, I can't do anything. I can't hit him hard enough, you know? And and that's sort of where you want to, create that that name for yourself and that's that's kind of what I wanted to establish myself as is the guy that when you needed something hey he might not be that that pretty that that pretty shiny penny or that pretty shiny you know whatever you want to say you know uh coin but you're going to go to him when when you need him and uh that's that's kind of what I wanted to 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 make myself to be when that play it's third and 11 and in the huddle is there anything said other than the play call? I mean, I know it just yeah. kind of comes and goes it sometimes when the quarterback adds something. What else do you say? Is it just the play call and that's it? Like, does that help? I imagine sometimes with the veteran team, you don't really need to say anything else. It's just like, all right, we got to do this here. Was it understood? Did no. anybody say anything additional? So it's weird because in those moments, this is exactly what went through my head. Bam, 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 bam. Can't, you can't hear Eli. It's just like you can barely hear it. But I knew whatever was being said, was just gibberish because when we got up to the line, I knew Eli was going to look at me and change the play hundred percent. I knew that I knew that that play was my play. I knew it. I knew that this was my opportunity and Eli knew it. I mean, I I could say without a shadow of a doubt, you asked him and he knew he was going to go to me Um, short side of the short side of the field. Um, You know, the guy that if you're, if you're going to throw the ball in a, in a clutch moment, you know, who has the highest percentage of, of, of catching it in a, in a hostile environment in a really difficult uh, position, it's, it's going to be me. 
And so you just knew that this opportunity, you know, was going to come to me. And so that's, you just knew when you got to the line, I just looked over to Eli to see what he was going to change, change the play to. You mentioned you did take a hell of a hit on that one too. It's right by Ole Miss's sideline. What do you remember after that? Cause I remember particularly when I was watching it the first time as a kid, but particularly going back, there hadn't been much going on the first two plays of that drive, but for whatever reason after that, it was like, okay, they're probably about to go score here. Like when you have that sort of momentum, you mentioned Cutcliffe saying there's a few plays to decide the game. What was like, did you feed off the sideline reaction at all? Or was it just kind of, I right, well, you know, we still got a long way to go. What was it like afterward? Cause that was no, a huge I mean, momentum play. Yeah. I mean, you, and if I'm not mistaken, I think we went straight to the, uh, Next play was the down the side. Uh, line. I think it was yeah, Roger to right, Z Zip, uh, our you know, Rosano Rosano out the flat, you know. So to to Cutcliffe's credit, I mean, he kind of did us a uh, hurry up and kind of, you know, and create a, a pretty quick play. So um if I can remember, you know, I think they knew it. They knew that we had them on the heels. And whenever you take somebody, you take a team, you're like, hey, this is the last play of the game. We've won. Oh no, they converted it the momentum definitely goes back and you put them on their heels and you definitely want to go after them. And that's what Cookwood did. So to his credit, he called a great play. Uh, and, and you just knew, okay, there's an opportunity. And we, he, we just kept on, we took that momentum and ran with it. You guys score, you go up. I don't think anyone at the game watching at the time thought the game was over at that point, but you guys no. had to feel like you were in pretty good shape. Well, no, I think I, I think we felt like the game was I, – I, I can tell you we felt that there was probably an 80 to 75%, you know, win percentage on our hands. And we knew that there was that, that, that chance. Right. We felt pretty good. We felt pretty good. And then, you know, as they started moving down, moving down the field, you know, those that, that percentage got got less and less and less. <laughs> yeah, so we felt, get it all we the felt, way down the we field. We felt pretty good. <laughs> so there's no, there's no, uh, I mean, there's no real need to like cut, recap the next drive. Everyone remembers the play. You're on the sideline. There's a helpless feeling of you guys being on offense, oh. right, and not being able to make an impact on the oh, game. Yeah. I, I think that's why you know Arkansas goes for two. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, because I think they oh, had yeah. one chance to end the game with Corral on the sideline as a spectator where he can't do anything. What yeah. do you remember about the third down play? Because I think one of the things that no one remembers is the Obamanu. Obamanu, I'm going to say it wrong. Yeah. He's the one that had the big 51 yard catch to get him down there. I don't think anyone remembers that, well, but the drop's brutal. Well, people also don't remember that he also was a recipient of. Uh, Vaughn Hutchinson uh, going up in the air, catching an interception. And as he comes down, it falls out of his hands into oh, Ben's right. hand for a touchdown. So I always tell Auburn fans, hold on. <laughs> you were given one and he gave one back. So it was even. So stop crying. What Like you on the sideline, were you one of those guys, obviously you wanted to watch what was going on, but are you animated or are you just kind of like oh, stoic? Yeah. How are you trying to handle yourself on the sideline that happens? And then take me through when you see the drop. Because as a receiver, oh. I imagine you just part of you, well, of course you're happy, but oh. you're like, oh, that's ugly. Yeah, I mean, you're just like, ooh, you know, sucks to be him right yes. now. You know, you're like, yeah, he, he he's he's going to be watched uh, before he goes to bed at night. Uh yeah, you, you just realize, like, yeah, I'm glad that was, I'm glad that's not me. Um, and you realize you essentially won the game. 
And uh, um, yeah, it's just the emotions that we felt are the same emotions the fans felt. You know, right. we're just we're just on the field. So they Ole Miss gets the fourth down stop. They pressure uh, Jason Campbell, kind of the same deal. You know, Campbell, the fact that that guy was left open seemed like a, not a breakdown, but it was one of those plays where people just start running around. He finds space. The next play, they get to him a little more, and he's never even really able to get off much of a throw. Although someone, I can't remember who it was, actually made a pretty good play on the fourth down throw. I don't think the guy would have caught it, but whoever was defending it left no doubt. Like, that thing was not getting completed. You guys win. What does Cut say in the locker room to you afterward? Um, because it wasn't so, just that one play. Y'all had to go down the field and score to even get to that moment. What does he say after? Yeah, so let, let, let me back up and sure. tell you what we did before we got off the bus. Okay. So uh, Tuberville had left Ole Miss, and one of the things he said, as long as I'm at Auburn, uh, Ole Miss will not beat us. So um, – before we got off the bus, Cutcliffe said, hold on, I need you to show you something. He turns that on, and it's and – it Oh, no way. As long as I'm at Ole Miss – I mean, as long as I'm at Auburn, Ole Miss will not beat us. And that's what we – and that's what we took off. That's what we took, uh, the, the last message. So, he, you know, that was – you're playing at Auburn. You're playing Auburn. Uh, you – you, you, you got this momentum and what, and what you know you're playing for and you get left with the statement that you'll never beat us, you know? Uh, and so that was awesome. And so once the game was over, it was just, I mean, jubilation. I mean, go, beating Auburn at Auburn is, is hard enough, but a night game and that environment, you know, that season, uh, I can't, I mean, it was just excitement. I, I can't even tell you what Cook said. I mean, it was just, you know, just ex- just excitement. When he shows you all that, what's it on? Because this is 2003. Is that like this a- is a bus? It's a bu- it's a it's your bus. So, okay. you know, is this you a VCR you, DVD? So look at you. I mean, come on. We're not that old. No, no, no. Uh, so, but I remember yeah. I was nine, 10 years yeah. old watching VCRs. Like, yeah. I was just curious how he got yeah. that thing on there. So, it's a lot easier to do it now. So you, you, you so, you know, these uh, charter buses. Yeah. Have you ever been on a charter bus? Yeah, they have the TVs, but you got to put yes, something so that's to play what, it. Well, yeah, it was a DVD player. Okay, okay. I guess I guess DVDs were. I, I, I'm. I you got to remember, I was younger than two, so I yeah. guess that DVDs. I guess you guys weren't that old. Not yeah. VCRs, more of a '90s thing. So he just <laughs> oh, pop, yeah. pops in the DVD. Oh yeah, v, yeah. V, VHS was was uh, wasn't obsolete, but it was <laughs> uh, it was it was it was making its way there. I imagine not much else needed to be said after that, after you see no, that. No, 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 no. And so, you know, that was just only, I mean, that was only just candy. You know, that was just like, okay, that's, you don't need anything else said. Just go out and do your job. Let's, you know, make him eat his words. Uh, and uh, so that just made the win even, even sweeter. How did you get to Ole Miss? Because this is, you have a 247 profile. I don't know if you've ever looked it up. There's not a ton of – it's the early days of the recruiting service sites and all that. Yeah. So some of the information can get a little out there. How Kind of take me through your path to Ole Miss. Yeah, so uh, I had offers from uh, Florida State, um, Oklahoma, Auburn, Ole Miss, and a slew of other, other schools, but those were the four schools that it, it came down to. So I grew up in Miami, Florida, uh, up until junior high. Hurricane Andrew blew our house down. And so I was a huge Florida State fan. 
huge. Uh, I can tell you where I was and what I was doing. Uh, first time we had the wide right, uh, I cried. Uh, uh, Florida State versus Miami. Um, and uh, so when I had the opportunity to, to think about, you know, going to FSU, it was sort of like a, a dream come true. You know, going down there, putting on the jersey, you know, sitting in there, Peter Warwick and, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Lavernus Coles with receivers and, and just the, the history behind it. It was, it was one of those things where it was sort of a, it was a really unique opportunity that I knew I had. Um, uh, Bobby Bowden, my coach, really wanted me to go play for him. Uh, coach Rick. Um, they had a, you know, they had a, just a good, good coaching staff. Um, and uh, Oklahoma was Bob Stoop. Bob Stoops, that was his, one of his first years there. And funny enough, uh, um, uh, the offensive coordinator um, was, was Leach. And so that's right. He actually, so he told me, listen, when I was at Florida, I couldn't stop Kentucky. So when I got this job, first person I went to, was uh, Bob Leach was uh, Leach to get to be our uh, uh, office coordinator? So Mike Leach, Mike Leach, Mike Leach was there, and uh, I went out there, and you know it was it was the first time I was like, oh my gosh, I'm I am I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm I'm far from home. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, so you know uh, they were they were transitioning into into the spread offense and. Is that a sell um, for you as a receiver? How is it hard? I imagine it might have been hard not to go play for Leach back then. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was. Um, and, you know, and it was probably it probably would have been a, a great offense for me. It, it probably, you know, I look back at it and you think about, you know, where, you know, my career. And, you know, I, I left the second all-time leading receiver at Ole Miss, you know, uh, me and Chris and great career. And, you know, I'm so thankful that, that, I, that I took the journey that I did. But, you know, yeah, you, you think about that. And um, uh, they had Heupel was the quarterback, a Heisman Trophy. Um, so, you know, uh, the, you know, it was definitely a, an opportunity that uh, I, I definitely uh, uh, looked into. Um, and then Auburn, you know, just it was an in-state school. Alabama, essentially they, they – my quarterback in high school for my freshman and sophomore year was Tyler Watts. They – essentially said, listen, we'd like you to commit to Alabama into my sophomore year. Uh, and I said, no, I would like to watch and see kind of how you guys, you know, what kind of offense you're going to do and kind of how, how you treat Tyler and, and whatever. And, and so they didn't, they wanted to make sure that they wanted me to commit early. I didn't commit early. They didn't want to do it, deal with it, deal with me. So I just, you know, I didn't look into all, didn't Alabama, but Auburn was a school that I really, you know, really looked into. So it came down to between Ole Miss and FSU, and uh, it was a faith-based decision through just praying about it. I remember sitting on my knees, going, "Lord, you know, you're the God of my, you're the God from of my youth, and you're going to be the God of my you know, college careers and and the rest of my life. And I'm just going to trust you that you just guide me and put in my heart where where I should go." Felt like FSU was kind of what a lot of people wanted from me, but I felt like a piece about God saying, "Listen, I I want you to be where I where where I put peace in you in your heart, uh, where I can use you the most." Um, and that was part of it. And I had that piece about Ole Miss. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a part of something, uh, building something, and that's what Cutcliffe really wanted to 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 do. 
So you had that portion. Then the second portion of that was, you know, analytically, you know, look at Cutcliffe. This was his first coaching job. I went back and looked at all of his, all of his uh, uh, offenses. He was always very balanced, but if he had more of a running team, he would be a little bit more, more run heavy. But if he had more of the passing, you know, teams, he would be more, more passing. So you knew you weren't getting somebody that was just going to go, you know, cockeyed, you know, all run on you. Um, so I felt like you have a great offense of mine as a, as a coach. And then Eli, if he's half as good as his brother, then you knew you had a good quarterback. So uh, and it turned out pretty well. So <laughs> it turned um, out okay. I between, think. <laughs> yeah. So between, between that, that faith-based, you know, decision of, you know, just trusting God uh, to give me peace and guidance um, through, through faith, um, and analytically looking at things, um, taking those two and putting them together. That's kind of how I, I, I went to Ole Miss. So what's, I was about to ask the other part of that. When are they selling you on Eli Manning? Like this kid's going to be pretty good. No. When's the first time you met him? Uh, well, I went to a camp with him into my sophomore year. Um, it might have been when Hubbardville's last year, uh, at that, at the camp. Um, so that's where I first met them. Um, and, but no, they weren't, I mean, they were, they were selling us on, Hey, we're building, we're building something. Um, obviously Eli's part of that, but it was not, you know, it was not, we built, we're building a program solely on Eli and, you know, he's, you know, going to make us or break us. Um, but you, you knew you had this great talent, uh, or a potential of great talent there as a quarterback. Right. So when you, you remember meeting him for the first time and then probably the better way to ask is like, is there ever a, like an initial moment that sticks out where you're like, Whoa, okay. This guy's a little different, like in terms of his ability. Uh, I mean, I would say, I mean, obviously watching the, uh, um, the music city bowl game, uh, right. seeing him, you know, kind of take off the, you know, take off the, uh, the coat and put his helmet on and go play, you know, that's when you knew special. But I think the thing about Eli was that he's just, he's just, it's just personality is just, that's why they call him easy. E. Um, to me, that's what, that's what makes Eli Eli um, is his ability to just stay cool and calm and regardless of the situation. Um, he just, he's, he's going to be the same guy uh, in, hostile environments and low environments and the good times and the bad times. It just, he's, he's consistent. You mentioned, I think you were talking at the top of this, uh, in 01, you were saying you didn't play a ton, but you still, what you had 28 receptions your freshman year. Did you, and I know you wanted to play immediately. So yeah, playing that quickly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So my retro freshman year, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I look back at it and I'm like, Cause see one of the situations that happened was uh, I didn't get to play nearly as much as I wanted to play. And maybe this is just, you know, the, the, the prima donna receiver uh, in you um, and me. And, and I was like, okay, you know what? I, I want to play, but as a player, you understand that if you're going to make a name for yourself, you're going to have to do it in the game. You're going to have to give the opportunity to play. And so what was happening was, 
I was not getting the opportunity to play. I was number two behind Chris Collins. And, and every time something would happen, they would bring, it would bring somebody else in, put them behind me. And so it was an Arkansas state game. And um, I got, I think I played like three series against Arkansas state. And I remember after the game sitting down with my dad and going, dad, I, I, I think, you know, I think I might've made the wrong choice. I think there's uh, a situation where I probably need to, you know, make a move. And uh, my dad and I sat down and said, you know, you know, it's, you just need to have a discussion with them. So what I did was I sat down and I, I, I'm, I wrote down four things. I think, I think there were, you know, one coach cook with, I respect was a man uh, and as a coach, um, uh, you know, the coaching staff that, that brought me in, uh, wasn't the same. So my receiver coach wasn't the same coach I had that, that recruited me. Um, uh, and that probably, you know, sometimes I just didn't look the part I just didn't look the part. And so it's kind of easy. If you don't, if you're not recruiting somebody, you, you see somebody that just doesn't look the part, you know, like, okay, you know, bring somebody else in. And, uh, and finally, if I don't have a chance to, to prove myself, give me an opportunity to fail. Um, then I need to go somewhere else. And so um, the next following game was uh, um, and so I had that conversation with Cuckliff. I sat down there and you know that's a pretty that's a pretty bold situation for a for a 19 year old kid yeah, uh, to have yeah. to do sit, sit down. And so um, uh, I had that conversation and you know you, you, your car draw on the table. And so uh, the next game was against uh, uh, ten, um, middle Tennessee state and Chris Collins goes down with an ankle injury and uh, Cutcliffe looks over to my receiver coach and says, put him in and four catches and two touchdowns later. Um, you know, that's when I start being able to get to play. The next game is against LSU. And that is probably one of the, that was probably one of the greatest, uh, um, environments that I have ever been in from a, from a college, uh, um, uh, I mean, that, that, that experience as a, as a redshirt freshman walking into death Valley at night, with that tiger there. And with, after, after nine uh, 11, um, I mean, you're sitting there and you're realizing this is what college football is all about. This is a, this is going to be a moment in life that you never forget. And so I had a, awesome game uh, that game um so it was always for me that I always had to fight for my uh my time to play um one of the things that people don't realize is in uh um my our senior year against South Carolina people do not realize this that fourth down uh ball that I caught prior to that it was third down and I was not on the field for that fourth down. And I, I walked up to Cutcliffe and said, we're either, you're going to win or lose this game with somebody. Let me be the guy. I'm, I'm the senior guy here. I have let me be it because it's fourth down. Now you're going to win or lose it with somebody. Let me be the guy. And, you know, throughout my entire career, I had proven to myself, I've proven that, if you're going to throw it to somebody, if you're going to put someone in that situation, it, I have produced. And so that was one of the frustrating things 
you know, that I felt like I had to deal with at times was that, you know, it's fourth down and I'm, I'm having to fight my way back into the game for that, for that, for that, that situation. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of the, the, the whole, you know, way of looking at my career was, you know, just a scrapper, you know, you're just going to fight. You're going to go across the middle. You're going to do everything you can. You might not look the part, but Hey, you play the part. And so, um, you know, my freshman year in my sophomore, you know, uh, I think my sophomore year I had 56 catches or 54 catches. Uh, and then it started to kind of, you know, go down a little bit, but you know, you always wanted to play as much as you can. And, and we always rotated a lot, you know, we, with Chris Collins and I back in, back in Oxford last weekend, uh, we, we'd always just go, why, why were we always rotating? Why couldn't we just stay in the game, you know, more? And, and, you know, and there's, there'll never be enough balls to go around. And that, that's how receivers are. They, they always, they always want, you know, to play more or have more, have more receptions. It's just kind of the nature of the, of, of the position. It sounds like it, it, they, it just kind of ha- because you mentioned not necessarily looking the part. It just sounds sound like it took some time for people to realize like your mentality. Because when you're talking about going to LSU as a true freshman in '01, I never I didn't hear anything about you saying being an all or big odd. You're like, this is awesome. We're about the ball. Oh. Like there was a fearlessness. Oh, yeah. it, you can still tell you know years later that you had. I imagine for uh, as someone who is five six, 150 pounds, dripping wet, that warmed the bench on a high school basketball team. Did you hate and have to fight the whole deceptively fast gym rat? first one in last one to leave how much of that was there how much did you hate that so so one of my one of my 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 good buddies was the uh uh placeholder for okay. Auburn and so our senior year you know I I this uh I have a 63 yard touchdown and the corner who was one of the fastest guys on the team is pressed up on me and I just felt perfect that game and I just take off and just absolutely outrun him I mean, it's probably one of the fastest I've ever run and uh, uh, score touchdown. And uh, I'm in Atlanta after the season. And I think uh, they're being Auburn's playing in the, in the peach bowl. And so I see them at the mall and uh, my, my buddy walks up and goes, this is Bill flowers. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So I'll give you a better story. I'll give you a better story. I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my, in my, in my a buddy's fraternity house. And they introduced me and the guys didn't hear. And he goes, dude, I love watching your brother play. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> so do I. And then I'll just start dying laughing. And they're like, no, uh, you know, and so, you know, it's, but, you know, times are changing and whatever. And, but I mean, you just, you just want to scrap. You, you know, I was just a scrapper. I was, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what I, what I did and just a hard worker, you know, the third down, third down guy, um, uh, had amazing teammates. Uh, we were a family, uh, loved each other. Um, and, uh, you know, had a really just awesome, uh, time at Ole Miss. Uh, and last week at Ole Miss was a really great opportunity to go back and to, and to see those guys and, and to remember what, what, you know, we, we, we've been helped establish. What was it like your last year playing with the three quarterback rotation? Is that difficult as a receiver? I always just wondered well, that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's it was kind of you know poor Ethan Flat. You know, it would be first down. Uh, I think it was first down was uh, 
was Lane, then second down, Lee Spurlock, and then third down. Oh, it's third and 10. Okay. Well, we know what we're going to do. We're going to pin our ears back and go after the, and go, and go after the guy that, you know, uh, is not designed to be, you know, a, a spread, you know, just, you know, sprinter. Right. Um, you know, he's your true drop back, you know, pro style quarterback. And so it put him in, it put him in some really tough situations. Um, and I don't think that was fair. Um, and, but you know, it is what it is. And yeah, it, it, it it's, it's not, it's not easy uh, to do that because you want to establish a rapport and get in grooves with your, with your quarterback and receiver. What's receivers. it like seeing Eli through the years? And you were one of the first guys that one, he built, I mean, you and Chris Collins and the early guys kind of were the early days of Eli. What was it like, you know, getting a first, firsthand it's yeah. not even a glimpse because you're a part of it but well, just seeing what he did after that it has to be pretty cool flex at social events like yeah i played quarterback i, I played uh receiver when eli was there yeah well that, that that's my claim to fame you know <laughs> it's uh that eli was my quarterback um so but you know i, I would i'd also tell you like when, when you're sitting there in my senior year you know you're you get up to the line and you're like hold on can I please check off? Can I please check off? Cause I know this is exactly what Eli would have checked off to that report you're sitting is not there, there and you're just, you're, you're just sitting there going, Oh my gosh, please, please, please do this. And you know, but that's, but that comes with maturity and time and repetition and stuff like that. So that was, that was one of the things that you kind of, you know, dealt with and kind of, you know, but that's, you don't, you, you cannot, you could not, you, you couldn't blame those quarterbacks for that because they didn't have the opportunity. They didn't have the experience, uh, uh, game experience for that kind of stuff. You mentioned last thing I have for you is just, you get to go back last weekend. How close, I mean, even just before last weekend, but how closely do you keep up with the program? What are your kind of thoughts with the way it's going now? It seems like they got it rolling pretty yeah. good under lane. Uh, yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think as long as, as, uh, lane stays around, uh, uh, I think Kiffin will be uh, – I think he's building something, and I hope he stays. And I think that if he can, he's he's got the uh, the, the, the opportunity to help uh, Ole Miss become a, a consistent uh, top-tier uh, SEC West team. Um, and I think that, um, you know, they they have an opportunity to do it. I think, I think it probably takes five – five solid winning years, consistent five wins to start to say, Hey, you know what? This is it. They're no longer a middle tier SEC West team. Uh, They're going to be a consistent top tier, you know, West team because they can continue to recruit the way that he's recruiting. Uh, they can continue to to do the things that they're, they're doing. He's always going to push the envelope uh, on how people do things. And you want to be a part of that. You, you want to be a part of that. Um, and uh, I think people, you know, are thinking, you know, he's crazy for going down, you know, going for fourth down like he does. But you will, you are starting to see NFL teams start doing it more. Uh, and I think people have such high respect for him uh, as a coach that I just hope that we can we can keep him. And I think, uh, you know, last week um, uh, with Eli being such a big part of of uh, our success and you know, with him uh, now just retiring uh, last year with COVID, you really couldn't do anything. I think they really want to um, focus on uh, bringing back 
these these players uh, sure. recognizing the, the Cotton Bowl wins, the you know not just our Cotton Bowl wins, but the guys that came after us. Um, you know, uh, so I mean, we've had some great teams that came after us, and I think they realize that you know it's it it doesn't really uh, it does the university good when you bring back these players uh, that help build uh, the uh, uh, the program. And last week, one of the things that was that was really cool that I didn't even think about was that, yeah, we we retired Eli's jersey. Yeah, uh, we uh, thumped LSU. Yeah, it was beautiful weather and it was just a great atmosphere. The things that some of the people said, one of the one of their favorite things was just seeing all the players come back. I was telling there was ninety something of y'all back. That that was an amazing yeah. number to me. Yeah, it was, and and. And you can't just reproduce that, you know, whatever. Right. But I think the university understands that they need to be intentional in saying, hey, you know what? We're going to we're going to recognize this team for this particular success. Do it maybe once or twice a year and try to bring that back. Uh, you, you can't do it every week. Um, but I think that the more that they 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 recognize that, hey, you know what, these, these, these players want to be recognized, but more so they want to be involved in the, uh, um, in the program. I think the, the players see that, the fans see that. And I think, it's, and I think some universities do it better than others. And I think Ole Miss is, is, is trying to get it right. What's your 40 time to date? Uh, <laughs> I would say if I did it, I would have no hamstrings. Uh, okay. That, that'd be a tough uh, so, place to recover from, so probably not. Yeah, you can just throw yeah. out in a ridiculous time. We'll, we'll I'll take your so, word for it. So, so I'll, you know what? Actually, the other day I was I was running, and I was just I, I was like, man, I feel pretty good. The next day, I thought I had blown a hamstring. <laughs> so I'll just say, you just you throw me in there on a good day. Uh, I'd say five, four, seven. You know, if you just you just say, hey, Bill, run a uh, run a forty. No, you know. Uh, might get might might surprise myself get faster than that, but I I mean I I still pretty good shape, but uh, not not in sprinting shape. I, I would definitely I would definitely uh, uh, pull a hamstring or or a quad for sure, or maybe even a groin. That was the most casual four seven drop of all time. I love it though. Bill Flowers, old Miss legend. Hey, before you get out of here though, uh, scriptureparenting.com. Uh, kind of tell everybody you can find it. It's a really cool thing you guys have going as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so scriptureparenting.com is a is a is a is a video resource platform where we just show real life stories of how parents are are applying scripture to everyday parenting situations. So a lot of times you, you know, you're you're facing a situation, you're just not really sure how to handle it, and if you're going to handle it, like to handle it from a from a uh, Christian scriptural perspective. Um, and sometimes you're just not really sure how, how, what does that look like in life? Like what does scripture look like um, in a situation where your child is disobedient or, 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 you know, you're trying to create, you know, just quiet time with your kids and just have that conversation, you know, how to be intentional. And, and, and we show stories and, uh, of how people are being intentional and in trying to be uh, Christian parents um, and just using scripture uh, as the guide for that. Um, and when you see people that have been there and done that um, and that can help show you and as a, for me, I, I'm much more of a visual person. 
I need to see things. I'm like, oh, okay. You told me it, but oh, I see how you handled that. I see how you, you know, took your, you know, you, you were intentional in how you parented your child in that situation and how you use scripture and, um, and for people to be vulnerable enough. Uh, a lot of the people that will share stories, you know, we're not expecting people to, in the heat of the moment, uh, you know, share stories. It's more for people that are older that can retrospectively go back there and, and kind of talk about it. But we have stories. We have plenty of stories of people that are talking about stuff that they they're, they're currently dealing with or um, that you know retrospectively dealt with. Um, so it's a uh, uh, just something that we're we're growing and wanting stories, and um, you can ask questions and uh, anonymously, and people will respond with. Hey, I dealt with that. I dealt with what you just asked about. Um, and so the longer we go and the more supporters we get, you know, hopefully um, it's just a, a resource that just encourages people to, to be intentional. Awesome thing you'll have going there. Bill Flowers, Ole Miss legend. Can't thank you enough for the time. This is great stuff. And uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Enjoyed it. And that was Bill Flowers. Really appreciate his time. Enjoying to talk, enjoying talking to, some uh, former players in rehashing, as I kind of mentioned at the top of that interview, like just this was the first team of, I guess, my childhood that I really remember that was any good. So that's been cool to kind of see uh, and talk to some of these guys all these years later and try to, uh, I guess, sort of rehash what I think I remembered as a kid and then going back and watching it for the interview is always fun. So anyway, we'll keep that up. I don't know how regular it will be. We'll definitely not be, always be the 03 team. That just happened to be the first two that came in my mind in back-to-back weeks. But uh, I've gotten some good feedback on that. So I think we're going to keep trying to do that in some capacity. It might not be every week. Uh, it'd probably taper off once football season ends. But we're going to keep that up in some capacity going forward. I really enjoyed that. So, But before we get to the picks, we have a pubic service announcement. This podcast and all MPW Digital podcasts are now brought to you by Manscaped. They're the best in the best in the waist below men's grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your jewels. They just launched their fourth-generation Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Imagine shaving with the sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving your favorite time in the bathroom. You need to be one of the need to join one of the two million people that has tried the new 4.0 model and trust Manscaped to handle your business down there. 70s are over. Heard it was a wild time. Manscaped's out to make sure things don't get too out of control down there. And you need to go check these guys out. This thing has a 4,000K LED spotlight on and off for when you need a more precise shave. Everyone needs a light down there. You can't be shaving blonde. Upgraded trimmer includes multifunctional on and off switch that can engage in a travel travel lock. It also gives you a charger as well, a uh, eco-friendly charger that is wireless charging. You need to check them out. Manscaped, make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some smooth, nice, smooth boys. There we go. Johnny One Take, use the code MPW and you get 20% off on anything manscaped.com. Hell yeah. This was my dream. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I've officially made it in this industry. Check them out, manscaped.com. Let's get to Greg's picks. All right, Greg, the Meat Sharp Jones is back for a week, whatever this is. I don't know. I'm losing track of the weeks. We're in the middle now. I'm certainly not taking the weeks for granted. We're at week eight of the NFL season. I guess that would naturally be week nine of college. Look how fast I can do math. I knew I went to the MIS. Um, What's up, man? We had a good week last week. Uh, we got a hell of a slate of games this week. Much better college slate this week. Still suffering through some buys. Ole Miss got a big game. What's happening? Yeah, man, just uh, 
you know, I survived the LSU weekend. That was pretty crazy. Uh, good, good weekend. And, um, yeah, man, just uh, ready for another weekend and uh, going through some college football. And, uh, yeah, man, we're, uh, we did a good week last week. Might as well have another good week. Absolutely. I, um, we were talking right before we started recording, and this is not a spoiler at this point because the people listening will have already heard it. Talk to Bill Flowers uh, about that Auburn game in 03. I enjoyed the conversation with him. And then you were telling me right before we hit the record button, you were at this game. Uh, that oh, yeah. had to be pretty memorable because that was a wild win. What uh, what do you, I'm sure, just drop dead sober and locked in remember about just uh, the, the drop pass because Jesus. I mean, good. you know, what was just so wild about the whole deal was like everybody saw how wide open he was and just assumed that he caught it and everybody goes crazy. And then all of a sudden they just realized that he dropped it. And it was like a pin drop hit, you know, hit that stadium. And then, of course, the Ole Miss fans, you know, went crazy. But, yeah, man, that was an awesome game. Yeah. And Okamanayi, right? Yes. Uh, good. Great call. Great memory there, too. I, I'm sure I mispronounced his name. But I went back and rewatched most of that game, what I could, from piecing together YouTube clips. And people forget he had the long pass to get them down there earlier, like 51 yards earlier in the drive. And then what Bill Flowers reminded me was there was a play earlier in the game, and I don't remember this, but I I can remember it happening, but I wasn't able to see this one on the replay, I don't think, where Vaughn Hutchins went and defended a pass that that guy caught, and he defended it pretty well, but it just dropped perfectly in his hands for a touchdown. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but he – I remember the the wheel route for uh, Greer in the flat where it was just like a perfect – uh, it was like a 40 or 50 yard pass. That was like big key moment. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. That was just a wild game in general, uh, but enjoy talking to Bill. Appreciate his time. Uh, it's kind of interesting talking to some of those guys on that 03 team. And I won't do that every week. It just seemed topical, but I think honestly, probably one of the subconscious regions reasons. I don't even know if subconscious is the right way to describe it. I am not a doctor. I just pretended to be one on radio was that was really kind of the first team as growing up going to Ole Miss games that was one good that I really remembered. And so I remember all those guys. I was telling you, I, the reason I had him on is because I remember that third down catch, and that was really the first good team of my childhood, I guess, for the lack of a better phrase. And then I was rewarded with, uh, you know, three years of Ed Orgeron and two bad years of Houston Nutt in bet- uh, after that. So that was nice. Yeah, man, it's uh, tough being a Red fan. You know, it just says what it is. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was I, – I, I will say that I, I think that team, they uh, the the 0-3 team, didn't they lose to Memphis that year? They did. All A couple of Ole Miss's really good teams have lost to Memphis. They went 10-3 and with losses to Memphis, LSU, and Texas Tech, oddly enough, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think that was like one of the first or the second game – uh of year because i remember uh we were all on the over and i think it ended up being like i don't know 58 to 64 or something like that that's when kingsbury uh kingsbury was at texas tech yeah speaking of being on the over what's it like uh what's it like on the on what's it like back then how are you calling those in (laughs) uh yeah i mean it was kind of funny that uh you would have you know there would be a guy that uh, a landline. He was on a landline. You know, I've a, it's kind of weird to say landline because there's no such thing as a landline anymore. But uh, yeah, man, you just had to be in charge. Uh, you know, you would alternate guys. I would think 
think we had four guys in rotation and, you know, we, he would be like, Hey, I got, I got to get, you know, be off this Saturday. Can you do the phone for me? I'm like, no, you know? So, uh, but yes, you used, to, you used to have to rock the landline. This is all hypothetical. We don't condone any of this, but uh, we will not have to, it's crazy. 20 years later, we're talking about this stuff on a zoom. So uh, technology, hell of a thing. That's uh, some dynamite analysis. Before we get into what is a great slate of games this week, kind of rehash a little bit of last week. What's happening at the store? Clearly, you guys survived LSU weekend. I was told by uh, well-embedded moles that were on the ground there that it was about everything you could have drawn up an Oxford weekend to be. It was, I mean, there's certain weekends that you compare it like to over the years as someone who's grown up around it my entire life. It's what, 03 LSU, 2012 Texas which was more an event than anything because neither one of those teams were that good. 2014 Alabama, uh, there's probably a few I missed in between, but like one of those type weekends, did it live up to the hype? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was just, uh, I mean, I don't know. It was almost like uh, everything was back to normal kind of, you know. It's just uh, the last couple of years has kind of been weird with the COVID year. And then uh, it was just kind of like the first really – you know, knock down, drag out party, you know, and uh, it was cool because, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a blessing that uh, everybody gets to go to the Grove and, you know, be a part of the Grove because, you know, the Grove is a one of a kind situation. So uh, just glad for everybody to be back. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty good time. Yeah. Someone who often takes a lot of what uh, I do for granted, and I don't even mean just like doing this, just like like thing, things in life in general. That one thing with this whole COVID deal has not been lost on me is I've definitely, you know, I got to go to the one game. I'm coming back for the A&M game, but even just sitting down watching television, like you just have a moment every now and again where you're like, thank God this COVID shit is over in terms of like the sporting aspect of it. Like, you know, it, it sucked watching those games last year. That's for all the things that, like, we just in this microwave society and instant gratification. I really kind of have looked around a couple of times this year. I'm like, I'm so glad this stuff is back. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was actually, uh, you know, a couple of times where the crowd noise, you know, affected the game. So uh, it's, uh, it actually helps whenever uh, everything goes back to normal. And, you know, I, I don't know what normal will be, but uh, it's, it's, it's getting a, a pretty good job back there right now. So last, what what we got going on at the store? Actually, I, I jumped the gun a little bit. What's uh what's happening? Sure, last week it was a big weekend. Anything to report? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Friday was crazy. Um, you know, like I I opened up the door at probably nine fifty eight, and uh, I don't think I stopped or sat down until probably like three thirty, three forty five. So, um, you know, man, it's just a blessing that uh, everybody can come in the store and get some good steaks and, uh, things to put on the grill. And, uh, you don't have to worry about the square and the rushness of, uh, you know, not having reservations or whatnot. So got to take advantage of that. LBs. We just overrided the podcast there. My bad. I was posting another one. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying, you got to take advantage of that LBs, man. If you got a condo and, uh, you can grill out and you can take advantage of, uh, getting some steaks and some, uh, some fresh fish and, uh, got shrimp this weekend, uh, lane train special. So, um, just got done doing some, uh, new boudin with some, uh, hot jardinier and lamb. So, you know, man, gotta think of, yeah, for sure. Right. I'm yeah, actually, I, eating, uh, I'm actually eating a, uh, stuffed pork chop with boudin. It's uh, tonight. So I highly recommend it. 
Yeah, that sounds absolutely incredible. It's making me hungry. I can't wait to go back in a couple of weeks and check that out. Girlfriend's dad made the trip to the store last week. If you're not checking out LBs, what the hell are you doing at this point? I think uh, most of the people, our regular listeners, are well aware of this. But I still, every week, uh, feel feels like even more often that gets someone that it's like, oh, wow, I finally went by LBs. Like, you weren't kidding. I'm like, no shit, man. I wasn't kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we might sound like, uh, you know, um, complete bullshitters on this podcast, but we're serious when we're talking about LBs, that's for sure. Uh, yes, we are. You're going to have some competition, though. So this, uh, I haven't addressed this publicly, but it's time for the, I guess it's as good a time as any for this announcement. Uh, so, you know, with the MPW Digital is now uh, sponsored by Manscaped. And uh, so I got one of the Manscaped Razors Lawnmower 4.0 model. And let me tell you, man, with the guy with the tough maturity level, it's been tough to get through these ad reads. It has not been Johnny one take. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Cubic service announcement, I think, is the way I started the other one. <laughs> I remember when you sent me the snap, and uh, I was like, wow, Manscaped's uh, uh, coming out hard. I have to. I need to start doing a package, uh, you know, a little package to send to my, uh, to my people that I sponsor. That is true, and they'll groom your package as well. Boom, free advertising for them. That's not even part of the ad read. Um, so now that we've covered meats and pubes, let's get into the games. We have – we had a pretty good week last week. You led the way in college football. You were 6-3, and 1-0 and in your locks. I was 5-4. and four. Skybox was 5-4. and four. Skybox does not ride with us on the NFL, as most of you guys know at this point. You went eight and four in the NFL, three and one are locks, and eight, I went eight and four, three and one in the NFL in the locks because we picked the exact same NFL games. And I got to pat ourselves on the back. We said that could get dangerous, and uh, it did not. It was the only thing yeah, that was dangerous mean, eight, was eight, to eight, be Las Vegas. It was a bad day to be Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, eight and four is very dangerous. I, I, I agree. I like that. Particularly this far into the season, right? Like you have the, you know, you'll kind of have the fluke week early on, which I think we both had. I think actually week one, we were like 12 and four or something. We're like, ah, oh, this shit's easy. And then, uh, then, then reality set in. So it's nice to bounce back. Yeah. I actually had a little Sunday brunch, uh, five game parlay that hit. Uh, I uh, went up to the, uh, uh, yeah, I had a little, had a little, uh, I think I pulled the old, I left my credit card at the library, so I have to go up there Sunday morning to uh, to get it, and it ends up turning into, you know, three or four drinks, 15 shots, you know, that sort of deal. And uh, I ended up putting a five-game parlay together, and uh, my last leg was uh, Colts money line, and sure enough, I hit it. That had to be an absolutely wild ride. We'll get to it in a second, but boy, that game in the rain was just an electric factory, but not in a good way, particularly if you had action on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I took the Colts money line just at the, um, you know, just because it was a su- the Sunday night game. I was like, man, if I if I'm if I'm here on Sunday night, you know, uh, I, you know, and I win this game, uh, that's just meant to be. Absolutely, we got a good slate this weekend. We'll start with the college games here before we get into the NFL. It's kind of a lighter SEC slate again. It's I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to be that guy. And I know everyone has to have a bye week, and no one wants to have a bye week when Ole Miss did. But come on, man. We're Halloween weekend, and we've got half the league on a bye again. There's something doesn't sit right about that to me. To me, this is peak football watching time, uh, particularly in college sense. Uh, but maybe that's just me complaining because this is the first two weekends – I've been home in six weeks and the slate from an SEC standpoint has not been great, but it's a much better national slate. So whatever, I don't really have that much room to complain. 
we will start with the SEC games. And then, of course, this week we're definitely going to have to bounce around. So I got added to Neil's picks this week with the departure of one Zach Barry. Uh, I was not informed that he was in last place. So uh, it's really crunch time. I can't be finishing last in things. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, I, I got to take this ship to the top, Greg. We got these last <laughs> few weeks has got to be crucial. You inherited his record. <laughs> that was uh, that's nice. Yeah, I inherited a bad franchise, and I'm here to build a championship culture. We're going to start by uh, winning every day, playing out a great love for one another, a uh, little pregame rug and, rub and tug every now and again. It'll all be great, but we're coming out of the cellar hot. But, yes, I did yeah, inherit I mean, his record. Take your shirt off. Everybody take your shirt off and, you know, and, and yell like a barbarian. Yeah. Uh, I think an 8-4 and four, uh, to finish out the rest of the year would be solid. I mean, you know, go, th- go that every week. Yes, it would. So we'll uh, no better place to get started this week. We'll start with the cocktail party. I don't think they call that any, anymore. I think that got canceled for some reason. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. But uh, yes, Georgia- that is very true. That is yeah. very true. We we uh, Neil went over this with uh, on the spinning spinning truckster versus the butcher. So uh, that is they changed it because uh, it was promoting drinking. Oh, okay. Well, I mean that's at least. I mean, so, don't get so me wrong. I don't condone that, but that's not like a. <laughs> yeah, look, I, so a, I don't want to get into the whole cancel culture <laughs> thing today, but I have a harder time keeping up with it. That one at least is like logical. Yeah, so, so now logical. There's some. There's some that just lack all logic. I think it's dumb. Don't get me wrong. I think I'm going to call it the cocktail party, <laughs> but that one doesn't make you scratch your head. So now that it's not called the largest cocktail party in, uh, in the in the world, no, people aren't drinking anymore. Yeah, exactly. No one's going to drink. It'll be like a game in uh, Provo, Utah for BYU, which I'm sure is electric. But uh, oh, like, but at least on that one, it's like like when they changed the Red River shootout because it said the word shoot, it's like, what are we doing here? And then uh, at least you can do the, well, there are children watching this. You can't mention alcohol thing. I don't know. We spent too much time talking about this. It is Georgia minus 14. Um, Georgia, I'll go ahead and, I'll, I'll, I'll go I'll ahead and like take it. the first swing at this pinata. It's I did this in Neil's picks, and so I feel like I have to be somewhat consistent. Although, if someone – the first message I get about someone saying, well, you picked this in Neil's picks, I don't remember a lot. I don't remember any of these picks I make. Uh, I, that sounded terrible. I remember a lot. I don't remember a lot of the uh, platforms I'm picking games on and stuff like that. So, if I contradict myself, whichever one wins is the one that counts. That seems like a fair rule, right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I do, do the butcher versus the spin instructor, and I try – to keep it consistent but you know i mean sometimes uh whenever you, I, I think over it the second time i'm like oh, i think i might have been wrong the first time so you know you got to make sure every angle's covered exactly i'd like my record to be judged per show not by consistency this one is georgia minus 14 uh but i will be consistent on this one neil's picks i think i said you know why in the world would you take florida here right and usually there's a lot of opportunities uh, in the whole wagering thing where when it's like, how does this make any sense? Why would anyone take this? That might be a good indication to take this. I'm well willing to admit that I'm putting my hand up in the air right now and saying I'm overthinking this, but I think Mullen's going to go with Anthony Richardson and turn the page on Emory Jones. I would hope he would. They're coming off an absolutely horrific performance against LSU to buy. I think, I don't think they'll win, but I think this game could get weird. And so I'll go Florida the plus 14 really in the face of all logic. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would like to agree with you on this, but you shouldn't. Uh, 
but I just think Georgia's just on another level. I mean, you know, I just uh, I know that you know uh, Florida's coming off that bye week, and uh, you know that uh, that loss to LSU kind of stung. But uh, for some strange reason, this game's always tight, regardless of how good Florida was or how bad Georgia was, and that sort of thing. So. I, I think it's a lot of points. I think you're uh, safe with the with the Florida bet, but I'm just going to go with Georgia just to go with that uh, late touchdown to cover the 14. That's what I'm going to go with. I think Neil actually put that in his picks. He's like, I refuse to overthink this, and that's a man that is thinking much wiser than I am. But whatever, I don't mind it. It's just going to suck seeing when it's 41 to 13 and I've uh, lost all this non-existent money on this uh, because I picked it in both things, seeing Dan Mullen's just little shit-eating grin when he's getting his ass kicked. So, uh, yeah, that's not going to be a fun one. Next one we have, we'll save Ole Miss Auburn for last, Missouri Vanderbilt, but I want to make sure I have this one correct in terms of what we go off of because I think this one has moved, which, uh, you know, if there's a ton of action on this one, what what are you guys up to? This this seems t- like I don't know why you would wager this. This is a definitely, as the uh, young hipsters on the internet call it, a sickos game. Uh, I can't find it on this site, so we'll just go off ESPN. It's 16 and a half. Missouri is 16 and a half point favorite on the road against Vanderbilt. You know, if there was ever a chance Vanderbilt was going to put up a fight at home and almost win an SEC game or actually win one, to me, it's against State last week. They should have won at South Carolina. That seemingly probably broke their spirit. State destroyed them, and State didn't even play that well. But at the same time, I don't think Missouri's covered a spread in an SEC game. This is – I don't know why in the world you'd wager this, but I, I – which, which pile would you like to – which fire would you like to like your money on here is basically the guess. I guess I'll go Missouri. I just can't do Vanderbilt, even though I'm, I, I, I'd like to see Missouri cover a spread. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. I just – uh, I was an idiot last weekend and took uh, Vanderbilt against Mississippi State thinking that, you know, they could at least, you know, have some momentum off that South Carolina, you know, debacle. But uh, Vanderbilt's just bad, man. I mean, they're selling tickets for a dollar, so it just tells you where their program's at. So, with that being said, I, 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 I just think Missouri can score a little bit easier and a little bit better than South Carolina. I just if, – if Vanderbilt covers this, you know, it's just, uh, you know, fullest once and then fullest twice. I am literally the worst podcast host of all time. I've already forgotten the skybox picks. I'm going to plug the Aravena Sunday night football contest that you have already heard about uh, after you're listening to this, because I'll plug it at the top because now I realize I messed up. So uh, really the listeners are just really getting an inside look at how my brain functions. Uh, the first game, they skybox at Georgia. And in this game, they're taking Missouri. So now that we're all caught up on that because I'm an idiot, uh, there we go. So, yeah, not much more to say about that. Honestly, you could – I think you just summed up in uh, Vanderbilt's season really in a succinct couple words that you could put on a shirt. Vanderbilt's just bad, man. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, like Sketchy. maybe Matt, Matthew McConaughey's face, you know, in uh, Days of Confuse, you know, uh, uh, like to the side of it. Vandy's just bad, man. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> McConaughey had a great interview on Ryan Rosillo's podcast recently, and he was peak McConaughey where it's like, this doesn't make sense, but damn it, it sounds good when he says it. Next one, we have (laughs) Kentucky and State. We'll go to that one. Yeah, perfect. Kentucky's minus one and a half. I actually saw on a site or two that this opened at State minus a half or one or something. I don't think – that's one of those classic lines that I've fallen for before where that's not really an actual line that's just like a forecast of a line if that makes any sense but it's as it moved very far from that it is now kentucky minus one and a half 
this one stinks. This one would say the play is probably Mississippi State because it doesn't make any sense. But my thing is, against decent defenses, State turns the ball over. Hell, they turned it over against Vanderbilt, and it didn't matter. I think Kentucky's good enough defensively to uh, to force a couple of short fields and give their offense some opportunities. I don't know if this plays out 20. You know, Kentucky won 24-2 last year with 157 yards of total offense. I don't think it turns out like that, but I think Rodgers makes a couple of mistakes and Kentucky wins this like 24-14. I'm all over Kentucky here. That's going to be my one college lock. Yeah, I'm going to lock it with you. I mean, you know, uh, if you look at this game and uh, if, if Kentucky can win this game, they can go 11-1, and one, um, kind of very similar to uh, Ole Miss's situation. You know, if Ole Miss can win this game against Auburn, they have a really good path, you know, but besides the Auburn, uh, the Texas A&M game to, you know, control their own destiny and go to 11-1. So, uh, I just think Kentucky just gets it done. I mean, you know, they just uh, – they've been knocking at the door, and I just think Mississippi State just makes – too many mistakes, you know, throwing the ball around and that sort of thing. So whenever you can't run the ball, it's kind of hard to control momentum and everything. And I just think Kentucky just, you know, kind of grinds on them. And I think this is a lock easy for sure. Skybox is on Kentucky as well. So we're on the right track there. Uh, that's already all the SEC games. As I mentioned, we only had four SEC games, unfortunately. Again, we'll bounce around outside the SEC. Let's start with Michigan, Michigan State. This is a fascinating one. Uh, both teams are undefeated. I think this line has come down, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it hasn't. I, hell, I don't know what I'm talking about at this point. As of this recording, it's Michigan State plus four and a half at home. It seems like the enticing, sexy play here would be to take Michigan State, sprinkle a little bit of money line. I admittedly have not seen a ton of Michigan State this year other than watching a half of them beat a very bad Miami team, but I have seen a decent chunk of Michigan and they're tough, man. They run the ball pretty well. They run the ball really well. They play good defense. Uh, I know people love to dump on hardball, but uh, I'll hop on this bandwagon. I actually think Michigan. I think Michigan is a much more talented team, and I think they're going to uh, kind of physically overwhelm them. I think hardball kind of gets a signature road win here. I could see Michigan actually winning this by ten points or more. I am all over Michigan minus four and a half on the road. Yeah, I mean, I can I can try to agree with you on it, but I man, I just uh, for some strange reason I'm just not a hardball fan. He just doesn't. I don't know if it's the pleats and the pants or drinking milk with steak. Um, I just uh, I, I don't know. It's just for some strange reason I can't get on the hardball train. But uh, I wouldn't call I, that a strange reason not to get on. If people started doing that around me with the pleats and milk, I'd probably be like, hey, what's this guy's issue too? <laughs> I just, I mean, like I said, this just seems like a, you know, a typical Michigan State, uh, uh, you know, low scoring game. And um, who's Michigan State's quarterback? I mean, uh, coach? Mel he Tucker. A lot yeah. of LSU buzz with him. A lot of LSU wink, buzz wink. with him. So, and, uh, you know, he went, he took over, a, a, you know, a decent Michigan State program and uh, he's got them playing really good right now. I like Michigan State. Uh, I'm just going to go just because. I don't know. I just feel 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 really strange about uh, taking Michigan uh, on the road. Oh, uh, we don't have to agree. It's more compelling podcasting when we don't agree, and it's not like I know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, let's see. Skybox is on who? I keep having to go back and forth. They're on Michigan, so Skybox Sports is on Michigan on this one. Next one we're going to is Penn State, Ohio State, and like I mentioned, I'd like to get this line 17 yeah it was 17 17 and a half 
I don't want to keep going off ESPNs because they, for whatever reason, the words are 18 and a half. So it's 18 and a half right now. Ohio State, 18 and a half in the big house. Um, James Franklin, a lot of rumors about him going to USC. He squashed those uh, in really just one of the most defiant fashions you could by saying, I am fully focused on playing Illinois. <laughs> they, they don't play Illinois this week. The game's in another state. Granted, in his defense, they played Illinois last week in that weird non-overtime game. But that's not an exactly way to breed confidence that you are fully focused and not worried about anything else. And then he followed it up two days later talking about how he wants to be here, but there's a lot of moving parts. So, my God, can he come out on his balding forehead next time and say, I'm out of here? Uh, or, like, what else does he need to say? Uh, I've seen Ohio State over the last, like, three, four weeks. They, we talked about it last week. We were all over them against Indiana. They figured it out. Uh, this game could get ugly. I don't have no problem laying Ohio State 18 and a half here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is just uh, – I got Ohio State. You know, it takes a um... – it, it, it takes a, a really good team, you know, uh, a, an early season loss to realize that, you know, uh, hey, you know, you can't lose one game, you know. So, uh, I, I just think Ohio State's got it rolling and uh, just too much talent on that side of the ball and just where does Penn State go after this whenever they get shellacked by, you know, at least three or four touchdowns. So, I like Ohio State a lot. Yeah, Penn State has the wheels, particularly with questionable quarterback play. This has the – you lose that game at home to a bad Illinois team with, you know, Burt's dopey self up on the other sideline, winning with the one-win Illinois team or whatever. I think they had one conference win. Uh, this has the recipe for the wheels about to fall off. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, I, I actually feel pretty confident in this one. Uh, we'll go over to South Bend. We have the Fighting Mac Browns and Phil Longo's. It is Notre Dame minus three and a half at home against North Carolina. I actually don't think either one of these teams are any good. I would could make a Phil Longo joke about good defenses, but I don't think Notre Dame's defense is very good. Uh, call me crazy here, but I am going to go North Carolina to the plus three and a half because I'm going to take the better quarterback in this game. I think this is a weird game that Mac Brown probably wins. So I'm uh, I'm going to go North Carolina here. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you can see uh, North Carolina winning this game. Uh, I just, for some strange reason, uh, just Notre Dame. All they need to do is lose one game and uh, run the rest of the t- run the rest of the season, and somehow, some way, get in the playoffs. So I can see Notre Dame uh, somehow winning this game by a touchdown, and uh, I'm just going to go with Notre Dame just because uh, I don't know. It's just the South Bend magic. I'll go with that. Skybox Sports is on Illinois. Skybox is on Ohio State. I can't remember if I said that because I'm just terrible at this. But, yeah, uh, they're on uh, Ohio State, and then they are also on North Carolina. So they're agreeing with me on both. We all were three on Ohio State, and then you went Notre Dame. Their last one we have, Big Ten, we'll stay in the Big Ten, Wisconsin and Iowa. It's Wisconsin minus three and a half at home against ninth ranked Iowa. Uh, talk about run the ball, run the ball, punt the ball, run the ball, run the ball, punt the ball, safety, run the ball, punt the ball. This is about the most big 10 game of all time. You have the number ninth ranked team in the country, a three point underdog against a four and three Wisconsin team. Uh, I don't know. Oh my ESPN has the over under at 36 and a half. <laughs> <They're> probably- <laughs> my God. 
That's the kind of over-under you see in an NFL game with two backup quarterbacks or something. <laughs> that should it, should it probably should be 26. That's just that's just my saying. <laughs> and that's, that's also great. the one where it, it, it triggers your dumb brain into going, oh, 36. All both teams, all they have to score is what 19 points, and that's over. I'm going over, and then it's 10 to 7. Um, whatever this none of nothing about this makes sense. I'll roll with Wisconsin, unranked Wisconsin minus three and a half. Who the hell knows? I I no idea. Whatever. Yeah, I, I I like Wisconsin too. They had a had a big win against uh, Purdue last weekend, and uh, you know maybe they 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 are a good team and just uh, had a bad stretch there. So uh, we'll we'll go with Wisconsin with you. Okay, no, I lied. We have one more. Oh, Skybox is on Wisconsin as well, so they're on the game that makes no sense as well. I would have loved to get their thoughts on the over under. Honestly, that would have been just kind of electric. Last college game before we get to the league where they play for pay, we were going to go Texas-Baylor because this has potential to be a pretty entertaining game. I'm not sure how uh, well played it will be, but this has potential to be classic Big 12 game. It is Baylor minus two and a half. Does that sound correct to you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Texas is a is a dog this weekend. Yeah, man, I like Baylor uh, for some strange reason. I, I don't know why uh, I'm taking Baylor here. Just uh, – <laughs> I think that Texas has, you know, plenty of talent on each side of the ball, but, um, you know, new, new coaching system and new, uh, new staff and, uh, you know, uh, got to learn. So I, I just like Baylor for some strange reason. I am on with you as well. I just, I think Texas has looked like a pretty good team with Casey Thompson at quarterback. I know I've said that for a couple of weeks in a row, but they're coming off a bye, but that home loss to Oklahoma State, who then couldn't go beat an Iowa State team on the road, just doesn't really sit well with me. So I'm not sure I trust them yet. I'm going to take the home team, honestly. So I'm with you. I'm with Baylor. Skybox is on Texas. So uh, us against the nerds on that one. Um, that is all the college games. Now we'll transition to the league where they play for pay, as the great Mike Francesa once said. Uh, we have another kind of weird slate of games. We're in the thick of the NFL bye week. This is just kind of part of it, the bye week stretch. Um, a couple, a couple good games, one or two decent ones, and then we got a lot of dumpy games this week. But hey, like we mentioned at the top of the show, we're not one to complain here. So we will start no London game. Let's start with. I still, still think they should they should start a game they should start two teams in London and keep them keep, the loser has to stay. We could have that idea gain some traction. I don't hate that at all. Just put like the Jags, the Jets. Oh, uh, they would never do the. I mean, this idea would never happen. But I get. Can you take it? Yeah, whatever. We can do what we want. Take a New York team, maybe like the Texans, something like that, and then just make them all fight it out to get out of there. Kind of like reverse relegation. You know, we send them back over there and be, make them study up on their Revolutionary War history. And then if they start winning things, they can come back to the States. Oh, man. They really do need to get a London team, I think, it feels like. It feels like they're kind of trying to push it on it. What would they be called? The Monarchs? I kind of – I don't hate that. Where would you come up with that? I don't know, because they're, uh, they got a king and queen, don't they? I was yeah. going to say Royals. Royals would be kind of tight. Yeah, but that's a that's a uh, yeah. Oh, uh, the royal and the London parliaments, and I'm talking about the cigarettes. I don't yeah, need some the, government the, the official par- on the sideline. I'd like to see a cigarette mascot. Could that? Yeah, happen? that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, the that would be pretty sick too. Uh, London crumpets. Isn't that a? Is that or, a? Or, uh, or you could do the redcoats. Oh, I like that. Maybe have a little Benedict Arnold action. 
Yeah. <laughs> Benedict Arnold. Uh, Benedict Arnold is the mascot. You can. Uh, I, that would be a lovely picture. Love that. And then instead of like when NFL, like when the refs screw up calls, I'd like to see them throw tea on the field. Um, yeah. Well, just not into a body of water. That's our thing. Um, but yeah, no, they the would field, have to. Uh, they, they get kicked off. Like they get they like in soccer, they get a red card, so they can't they. They're down to 10 players on defense. I like that. Quarterback throws a pick. He gets put in one of those little fake uh, guillotine things or whatever they used to put him in to shame him. Not, we, we shouldn't <laughs> be cutting people's heads off with the little little lock and chains. I like that. We, we're on to something here. So, uh, Roger Goodell, what's up? I know he listens. Um, let's yeah. see. We'll start with the Bills-Dolphins. Uh, this boy, talk about this. I remember in week two, after the Miami came off, kind of a steal of a win in New England, we were hesitant about taking the Bills minus three in Miami. It is now Bills minus 14 in Buffalo, and I have no good reason to take the Dolphins. Do you? No, I don't either. I, I think we'll just uh, we'll just have to lay wood here and, uh, and take and the Bills here. I mean, you know, uh, if, the, if, the, if the Dolphins can't get it done against the Falcons, uh, it's, it's, this should be a shellacking. Yeah, there's a lot of Deshaun Watson buzz. Um Bills coming off a bye week. I, I this is a stay away and a half. I guess I'll go the Bills. I don't love that either way because that is still fourteen points. And the Dolphins aren't incompetent. They're not good, but they're not like the Jets. Like they can move the ball. So, you know what? Actually, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go Dolphins. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you can change it. Just it, it, you make the rules. Uh, I mean, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no documentations of what. Uh, what what, what can and can't go on down on this podcast. Exactly. The first rule is that there are no rules. So we'll go to the Dolphins here. Uh, really, that'll be my NFL against all logic pick. So I'm taking the two Florida teams is against all logic. Um, next one, we'll go Falcons, Panthers. My God, talk about just a gambling, a gambling paradox here. Panthers uh, start 3-0, and been 0-4 since. They lose to the Giants in New York. And then, of course, we the our, our struggles with the Falcons are really America's struggles with the Falcons. Uh, even last week when they finally cover, they're ahead the whole game. They blow it, and then they regain it with the last-second field goal, and that drive didn't look pretty either. I hate betting on the Falcons almost as much as I hate betting on the Panthers. I can't quit them, though. Falcons minus three. Easy. Uh, God. I cannot believe that I took the uh... – um, the Panthers minus one and a half in the first half against the Giants. How terrible of a bad guy. Dude, that's the sneaky Deshaun Watson team. Darnold, for the first three weeks, they were running the ball. They were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's like, oh, see, all Sam Darnold was needed structure. And now if you read in between the lines on any of these reports, the most aggressive team, not the favorite, don't mistake what I'm saying, the most aggressive team pursuing Deshaun Watson right now is Carolina. They're like, to hell with this guy. God, man, that's terrible. Well, you know, I don't know how they got three and zero. I mean, I mean, did they play the Jets and the? Uh, in the uh, did they play the Jets and the and the the Tex? I mean, golly, I I just yeah, man. If if they're trying to uh, make moves for Deshaun Watson, uh, uh, he must be really bad. So I'll go with you on Atlanta. I'll just agree with you. I hate Atlanta though. God, I hate them. They played – well, to your point, Greg, they literally played the Jets, and then they played the Saints that week. The Saints lost all their coaches to COVID, and then they played the Texans. Yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's that answers your question. But, did see, they, they put my brain in a pretzel so bad dealing on the Falcons. You know what's going to happen? It's like, oh, Falcons, they got a chance to get four and three and get really rolling here. 
and then they'll be down 20 to three in the second quarter. And I'm just going to hate myself. Yeah. And you're like, golly, I've never seen this from the, uh, the Panthers. Don't worry. If that one gave you a headache, uh, we've got even better ones here. This one will really satisfy your appetite. Uh, the Detroit lions are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. and It's Detroit plus three and a half. Um, I can't believe I'm doing this, but Detroit showed some fight last week. Did you see they threw every trick in the bag at the Rams and Jared Goff's revenge game to their credit. They tried, they went onside kick and then into a fake punt after a, uh, I believe they had a, the old, uh, flea flicker for a pretty big game too. They threw every trick in the book at them. Uh, I just don't think Philly's very good. I think Jalen Hurts is very limited. And while he's decent with his feet, he still was kind of what he was in college. He struggles to make multiple reads and he's not accurate. Um, man, if there were ever opportunity for the, the Lions to get their first win, if they have anything left in the tank and they're not tanking, no pun intended, uh, I think it would be this week. I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to go with the Lions. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm right behind you. I, I like the Lions too. I mean, like, I think this is the opportunity where you, uh, you know, uh, you see a terrible Lions team up uh, maybe 17, 17 to three at halftime, and they uh, pull the trigger on Garner meet you, and uh, you see the Eagles come back in the second half. That's just how I look at it. I yeah, that's, that's actually a great call to where it's like, are they going to blow this? But then Jalen Hurts is just not good enough to bring them coming back. I, I could see that playing out exactly that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, Gardner Mishu is a starting NFL quarterback. I mean, I just, I think. I don't understand I, why someone hasn't traded for him. If you're the Steelers, why would, I, I, okay, I get why the Steelers aren't actually going to, but like he, he, the Steelers would be better with him over Big Ben. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I just, you know, there's, there's certain, uh, I don't know if there's a, a red flag or if there's something that, you know, is marked with him, but, you know, uh, Philadelphia traded for him. So, I mean, I just don't understand why somebody else doesn't take a chance on them. So, I don't know. I think this is a Gardner Michu's coming out party. I just don't think it's going to be enough, and I think the Lions hold on. Hold on. So, I'm going to go with Detroit with you. First line of the week that makes no sense, the Indianapolis Colts, who won you a bunch of money, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, are hosting my Tennessee Titans. The Titans are coming off back-to-back wins against the Chiefs and the Bills, the latter more impressive than the former. The Chiefs are – we'll get to them in a second. They appear broken. Um, but Titans had a great win on Monday at football, then followed up on a short week and beat Patrick Mahomes. Whatever, whatever you want to say about their defense, that's pretty impressive by my Titans. This would be the perfect week they'll cough it up, and maybe Vegas is factoring that in because it is Indianapolis minus two in Indy against the Tennessee Titans. And keep in mind, they played once already this year. The Titans beat them and covered at home. This is just kind of a how much do you believe in each team game, right? Because if the Titans are kind of the crop of the AFC, like they want to pretend they are or kind of gave the illusion despite their defensive issues, this is a game they'll win. Whereas if Indy's actually going to get this thing back on the right track and have something to say about this division, this is the game they'll win. I'll go Homer pick and go the Titans, but I think that's a terrible selection. Yeah. I mean, this is actually going to be a really good game. I mean, you know, uh, you have to give the Titans credit, you know, uh, beating the the Bills and the Chiefs uh, in back-to-back weeks. So that's a lot of momentum. So, um, man, for some strange reason, I don't know how Indy gets gets it done and wins the games like that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna homer with it with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree. I'm, I'm gonna go with the Titans with you. We'll see. 
I don't think Wentz is bad. He just has so many moments that look terrible. He, he never gives up on any plays. So we'll have like four almost interceptions and one terrible interception per game. But he does a lot of good stuff in between. I know he's kind of entered that social media hemisphere where everything he does is the dumbest damn thing on earth. Like that type of like, you know, people, social media picks targets and they kind of bully him. He's entered that range. But uh, I think they're not bad. I, I don't feel confident in that pick at all. But whatever. It is what it is. I'm sticking with the Titans. Um, we have we still have our five locks. I like to remind the people. I just haven't found one I liked, and I don't <laughs> think I'll love it here. Uh, L.A. Rams going to Houston. Houston Texans plus fourteen and a half. Um, I will throw this at you. Tyrod Taylor has been practicing, and I think might play this week, which that makes a actually a big difference to me. I think the Texans are a functional football team with Tyrod Taylor, just not with Davis Mills. I have the Stafford Cup thing on my fantasy team. I hate doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm actually going to go Texans here. Well, uh, where did Danny Mills play football at? He is a uh, he's a Stanford kid. Wow, man. What a terrible I – mean, I mean, surely he doesn't get paid a lot of money, right? He's a rookie. He, they dropped him like third, fourth round. Like, it's one of those, like, we don't necessarily think you're a franchise guy, but we think you got a little something, something. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm gonna. I, I, I'm uh, Cooper Cup's been on my fantasy team, and I and he's literally been carrying my fantasy team. So I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Rams here. Uh, I need some points. This one, that's a stay away central. I mean, if you really want to like, get weird, I, I mean, you're still. You know why that's fourteen and a half? So Maybe you, like tease it. You know, I was. You kind of led me to where I was going, but do you know why that's fourteen and a half? Because Vegas, I read the other day, has gotten absolutely burned on teasers. And they don't want you teasing the Rams down to like six and a half or seven. That's 14 and a half for a reason. That, that thing's not budging, I don't think. Um, whatever. That's a stay away central, but we don't do that on this show. Here's a good – I got a great stat to throw at you for this one. You ready for this? Jets Bengals. Uh, shout out to my guy, Mo Egger, who I'm not even sure he remembers who I am. He's a Cincinnati radio host for the ESPN station in Cincinnati, Ohio. Does a great solo show, which I will contend to this day is one of the hardest things to do in this industry is to fill three, two, three hours of airtime essentially by yourself. I shattered him one day while I was an intern in Cincinnati. We had a weird family connection or something. None of this is important, but I follow him on Twitter. He put out that the Cincinnati Bengals have only been double-digit road favorites like two or three times since their existence as a franchise and have covered none of them. So if the Cincinnati Bengals go on the road and cover this 10 and a half point spread against the Jets, it will be the first time in Cincinnati Bengals history they will have covered a road spread that's double digits uh, successfully. How about that? that? I like that stat. I mean, you know, and, and also I know that they haven't covered that stat, but they, they also have a quarterback named Joe Burrow. So, like, and he's a winner. And uh, I think the Bengals are playing really, uh, you know, really good ball right now. And, uh you know, going on the road against Baltimore and, you know, man, they tore them up. You know? They destroyed a, them. Yeah, that was uh, – that was one – actually, I had – in my five-game parlay, I had three underdogs that actually won the game. So, I had the Bengals, I had the Colts, and then I had uh, – golly, I forgot already who I had. Um, <laughs> it didn't matter, it cashed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had the Raiders, I think, and maybe the Raiders and the Packers. Who knows? No, but no, it was good. Uh, I, I like the Bengals a lot, and I think they're going to win by two touchdowns. And this will be the first time in franchise history that they were double digits on the road and covered. 
yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals here too. I just think they roll with them. I, so I think they roll over them. There's not much time need to be spent on this game. It's more so the fact that we're not going to put money on the Jets. Uh, I don't care how big underdogs they are. Just that 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 is abysmal. And I hate that for Elijah Moore. Hopefully they figure things out over there. He scored his first NFL touchdown last week. Shout out Elijah Moore. But that's been more of a disaster just for a lot of different reasons. But I feel like the world was on the Bengals. The world found out about the Bengals last week, right? They go on the road. They destroy Lamar Jackson. But I don't get many things right early on, and I wasn't sure about the Bengals coaching staff. I wasn't necessarily sure about the offense and them not taking a tackle to protect Burrow. But what you could easily tell those first couple games was, damn, this defense is fast, and they're good. And they had a lot of good free agent signings, one of them being Ole Miss Rebel alum Mike Hilton. But they added a couple guys and actually spent a little bit of money on defense. And you could tell the first three weeks, it's like, I don't know how good they are, but their defense is actually good. And now you've had Jamar Chase statistically turn in the greatest rookie wide receiver in the history of the NFL. He's a top three receiver in the NFL, no questions asked right now, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. He destroys everyone. Oh, man, monster. And uh, like like you were saying, I mean, Mike Hilton being a – uh, you know, in that division with the Steelers. And, you know, so uh, he's very familiar with the Bengals, and I don't see him not making that move if he knew it wasn't the right move. So, yeah, I, I, I like the Bengals a lot to be a sleeper AFC team. There's going to be someone who's casually watched the NFL this year and be like, what the hell are you talking about? Jamar Chase, a rookie, being a top three wide receiver in the NFL. But if you play fantasy or you've watched a lot of the Bengals, he destroys everyone. They had Marlon Humphrey and someone shading him most plays, and it didn't matter. He had 200-something yards against the Ravens, against the one of the best corners in football. He's unbelievable. So, shout-out to the Bengals. They deserve it. Their fans have been through a lot. They have a crappy owner. They don't even have an indoor practice facility. They practice outside, year-round, uh, outside that stadium. It really looks like a junior high, high school deal. It's the stadium and then this practice field that backs up to the highway and nothing else. It, it, it's honestly wild to me. But anyway, um. Last... I, I did think it was funny how Collins, Chris Collinsworth said that Jamar Chase was the best uh, running back in Bengals history. I mean, uh, wide receiver in Bengals history. I saw and that. And Al like, Michaels I goes, mean, how about you? And Collinsworth kind of gave the sheep is like, nah, nah. But, like, I think he knew. I mean, like, Ocho Cinco, A.J. Green. I mean, like, I, I wouldn't say, like, you know, Jamar Chase is better than those two guys. But, like, give it time. That is a good point, honestly. They have had some good receivers that I haven't thought about. Um but yeah, I mean, there's another good one. They have had some good receivers. Greg throwing <laughs> out the stats. Um, we're going to stay in the AFC North here. Browns minus three and a half at home against the Steelers. Uh, real, I would say classy effort by the Browns last week. I don't think Denver's very good, but the Browns were listing a lot of dudes, Baker Mayfield included, and really kind of handled the game, that game at home. And I think that's what teams with, I hate to use the term championship DNA, but like good culture do. I think Stefanski's competent. And they had a good game plan. They ran the ball with a third-string running back named Ernest Johnson, who was, like, asking for tryouts for the XFL or whatever that was this time two years ago. Um, but the, to me, that's just one of those things. Like, if you're a competent franchise, you figure out a way to win that game, and they did. They're minus three and a half at home against the Steelers. I'm going to use my first lock here. I think the Browns crushed the Steelers. That defense kind of pinning their ears back and going after the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. I hate the Steelers in this spot, and this is Najee Harris' fantasy owner, not that anyone cares. Um, I'm locking the Browns minus three and a half. I think they roll. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you again on this one. I like the, I like the Browns here. I just uh, – I think the Steelers need to press the refresh button. And, uh, I mean, who is their backup? I think – oh, it's Dwayne Haskins. Oh, even worse. 
Yeah, they don't have great options. They should have traded for Minshew, but they're not going to do that. Ben Ben Roethlisberger, unless he gets hurt, will play out the rest of the year. That's what getting to uh, winning two Super Bowls and getting to a third awards you. God, but why would you? What? As, I don't know. As a fan, I would be so miserable. Yeah, like you're like, please get out of here. So, all right. Well, no um, need to spend. Uh, where are you going on this? Sorry, I, I, I like the Browns with you. All right, you still got five locks in the chamber. We got one early game left. Uh, San Francisco minus four here against on the road going to the Bears. The Bears get embarrassed last weekend. Justin Fields looked like a rookie, uh, to say the least. Uh, the Tampa defense really kind of got in his head. You know, that happens. You got a younger quarterback. I am actually – I don't love the Niners at all. They're actually an incredibly frustrating team, and there's some metrics out there that will show you that Kyle Shanahan might not be the offensive savant and head coach that some people think he is. I still believe in it, though. I'm probably going to regret this, but I actually like the Niners minus four on the road here. If you're talking about coaching competency scale here, uh, he's definitely more competent than Nagy, and he probably has a better quarterback. The defenses, I'll say, when both healthy are a wash. So why are the Niners not a touchdown better? I like the Niners. Yeah, I will have to agree with you. I, I, I refuse to bet on the Bears ever again. I mean, they, they're uh, – I mean, Matt Nagy, I, I don't know how he still has a job, and – uh you know, touche, you know, because he still has a job. So, uh, with that being said, I, I'm never going to bet on the Bears again. Yeah, there's a couple of teams that are just really terrible to bet on. One of them is Carson Wentz. One of them is the Bears. The other one's the Falcons. There's three, four teams that are really just a terror. Uh, the Cocaine Cardinals are in that boat a little bit. They're playing right now as we speak, actually. Um, but there's there's some ones that are an adventure and not in a good way. I would put the Cardinals as in a good way. But, yeah, not I'm done with the Bears, too. Late afternoon window starts you off with a real steamer here. Uh, Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks, who really kind of had a kitchen sink game against the uh, New Orleans Saints last week on Monday Night Football, couldn't get it done. They're minus three and a half at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are we going to do this? Oh, man. I'm going to do this. What the hell? What, what do we care? Seattle, by a lot of metrics, has the worst defense in the NFL. Uh, second worst, I should say, behind the Chiefs. And it's not great by any means. Uh, from what I saw from Geno Smith, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off a bye could have a chance here. I'm going to go Jacksonville Jaguars plus three and a half. I feel disgusting doing it, but you know what? We're going to get weird as hell here. This is going to be one of those ones where you're going to be like, are you aware you did this last week? I'm going to say yes halfway, and I'm going to go lock the Jacksonville Jaguars plus three and a half. I think they win this game outright. Yeah, I, I, I'm agreeing with you, and I'm locking it with you. Just... Let's go. Let's get weird. <laughs> you <laughs> – you beat me to it. That was the only thing that uh, I was sad, sad about. So, yeah, why not my first lock of the week? Let's uh, go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, let's just leave it at that. We don't even have to say anything else about it. Yeah, we didn't even take the points. We're taking the money line. <laughs> Whatever, man. Here we go. We, got we have the Los Angeles Chargers minus four and a half uh, hosting the New England Patriots. So, this is an interesting game because you got to think Boston LA transplant. This will probably be what 70% Pats fans conservatively. Like I, I'm trying, I'm really not being facetious in this stadium. Don't you think it'll be 60, 70% Pats fans? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And they're plus four and a half, but honest to God, dude, I don't think it matters. The chargers off a of bye week and their last loss was a pretty disgusting one where they didn't play well against uh, the Baltimore Ravens two weeks ago. If you remember Baltimore really kind of exposed them for having some issues in the run defense, you know, you kind of think, Oh, uh, Joey Bosa, like caught a lot of talent Derwin James, like that chargers defense is stout, but they kind of got ran on a bit. 
And New England can run the ball, and they kind of do do the whole classic rookie game manager thing with Mac Jones. Uh, I'm actually going to use my second lock here and go – or third lock, excuse me. I forgot what we just did, the, uh, the act of solitude with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Third lock here. I'm actually going to love the L.A. Chargers minus four and a half. Uh, I just think they're a much better football team with a much better roster and a much better quarterback than New England. And four and a half is a not a lot to lay at home because New England has beaten the Jets twice. That's two of their three wins. Yeah, that's and that's pretty awkward, you know. So, uh, you know, I know New England played a really good game last week, but, uh, you know, the Chargers are a different ball team, and especially uh, coming off a loss like they did against Baltimore. So, I, I think the Chargers bounce back for sure, and I, I'm going to lock it up with you. Yeah, I think that's a really, really – really good play and how if that sits to i don't know why that would go to four but if you can tease that down to chargers plus three if you can find another pair with that 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 seems like free money but i'm not one to give out advice you guys listen to us for entertainment not advice here um 425 game first of the two denver's minus three and a half against the washington football team you know this is too like you wouldn't consider this a disaster of a game, but this really is. Denver goes 3-0 and by beating the Jets, Giants, and Jaguars, and it has looked pretty much incompetent since. I do think they're going to get Jerry Judy back this week. The book seems to be out on Taylor Heineke. This is going to go terribly for me, but whatever. I don't care. I actually kind of like the Washington football team here. Um, I, I just something about the, the Broncos seems off, and I don't really know what it is. They shouldn't be as bad as they are. Maybe it's coaching, but honest to God, I don't know enough about them or Vic Fangio to know. But I think I'm going to go the Washington football team here. I think these are two crap teams. I think Denver has a slightly better quarterback, slightly better defense. But I'm going to give Ron Rivera the edge here in the hat tip. I'm going to go Washington the football team plus three. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm trying not to agree with you again, but I mean, I have to agree with you. I like the Washington football team here too. You know, they played uh, Green Bay a, a good game last week, but you know, just uh, it's tough beating Green Bay at Green Bay. So, chalk that up. But yeah, I just not a, I just I can't even. I, other than Bridgewater, I don't think I can name any other player. Uh, of course, I could say Jerry Judy because you just uh, named him, but. Other than that, that's about it. I, I just, you know, I just don't know anybody on the Broncos. So I'm going to go with the, uh, the football team here. Yeah, I, that's, that's, a, that's a stay away and a half. The marquee game of the afternoon, clearly, Saints-Bucks. I saw one of the Saints beat writers put out a nice little stat here. I think it's the first time in quite a long time that the Bucks have come into the Dome as favorites. Tampa minus four and a half going into the Dome. Tampa's a much better football team. Tampa's kind of rolling. Their defense seems to have figured some things out. Granted, they're playing Justin Fields. But I, I can't quit the Saints. I, I, I wish they'd let Jameis loose a little bit more. I don't know your thoughts on the matter, but the Saints kind of had a little scrappy performance defensively on Sunday night, or excuse me, Monday night. I, I'm going to go Saints plus four and a half against my better judgment here. I just kind of like them in this spot, and I really don't have a lot to back that up from the statistics or like any sort of logic standpoint. This just feels like a game Tampa hasn't been tested in a while. You know, they kind of got their ass kicked week three in L.A., I think week two, week three against the Rams, and they've kind of rolled since. This feels like a game where they get tested. It's been a while since they've actually really been tested. So I am uh, – I'm going to go Saints here, and I don't really know why. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I'm, I'm trying not to agree with you again, but uh, – It's like your Saints. You know, I knew where you were going on this. I, I mean, like – I. I for some strange reason that, you know, the defense for the saints has just stepped up and made, you know, uh, actually won these, you know, tighter games. 
Uh, I, you know, and Kamara, I wish they would have held on to Mark Ingram. You know, I just don't think Kamara's a 30 touches in between the tackles. You got him back. Uh, do what? You got Mark Ingram back. Oh, you got, oh, they did? Okay, good. They oh, traded okay, for him good. last night. Did I just break news for you? Oh, sweet. Nice. Okay, well, good. I mean, I just think that's it. It's just I don't think Kamara is an in-between-the-tackle thing. You, you know, you, like, I don't know. I, I think that's going to uh, that's gonna be a good move. And I think the Saints realized whenever, uh, you know, they did um, get rid of Ingram that, you know, it did hurt uh, Kamara's value a little bit. So, um, I, I just like the – I mean, I like the Saints here. I love that this just happened in live action, not to break your brain here. They have not had him all year. He's been on the Texans. They traded for him late last night, if I'm not mistaken. News broke about that. But your shadow GM of the Saints, LB's Greg, being like they should have gotten uh, uh, Mark Ingram back. They traded for him last night. So you you were on to something there. Hey, you know, uh, I, I, I hate to uh, press the button and call Mickey Loomis whenever I need to, but <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it has to be done. <laughs> you caught in the trade and we're just playing dumb, but that is, that was, that was pretty dynamite. Honestly, you were like, they shouldn't have let go of Mark Ingram. And I was like, well, actually I think they agree. Cause they got him back last night. Um, and then actually Sean Payton, this is actually, I thought I found this funny. We don't need to spend a ton of time on this, but someone asked in the Saints media pool, like early, yesterday or today that said, what are the chances we see in this week? Cause you know, a lot of times when a guy switches teams, he sits at least one week, sometimes two to just, you know, get acclimated and stuff, right? You can't pick up in the middle of a practice where he went through Tuesday and Wednesday workouts with the Texans, and now he's a saint. But because, you know, he spent all those years in New Orleans, it's not that much of a transition. And so Sean Payton actually said, there's a pretty good chance you see him on Sunday. So how about that? Uh, hey, you know, like I said, uh, press that button, call him at Mickey Loomis and let him know uh, we got to make this move. Exactly. So, uh, you know, that's going to be my reasoning for going to Saints. To hell with it. They got Mark Ingram. Sunday night football game. Actually, I'm going to – no, I got two more locks. I'll save it. I don't have to use all of them. Uh, Sunday night game, Vikings-Cowboys. Oh, here's one. This makes no sense at all. And take my money, Vegas. I don't care. Sunday night football, uh, the Minnesota Vikings are hosting the Dallas Cowboys with the Cowboys coming off a bye and the Minnesota Vikings are minus two and a half. So this is the dumb jock one where Vegas clearly knows something here that we don't know but I'm going to ram my head through the drywall anyway. I'm locking the Cowboys plus two and a half. This makes no sense to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, you try um, – sometimes, you you know, you try to look at it and, try, you know, just scratch your head and be like, why does Vegas have this whenever it should be something else? And uh, I don't trust it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm good on uh, betting on the Vikings. So, uh, I'm going to take Dak and the Cowboys. That's another miserable team to bet on. Kirk yes. Cousins. But at the uh, same time, you know what's going to suck? Betting against him. Because how many times does he look like an absolute all-pro when you're against him? And then when it's when he's, when he's you bet with him, it's like, what can this guy throw downfield? What's going on? <laughs> he might be the awesome. single most frustrating thing, quarterback to bet on. Have you ever had this experience? You go against him, and he starts making throws that look like Tom Brady, and then you bet on him, and it's like, has he thrown the ball past the line of scrimmage? What the hell is this guy's deal? Well, so frustrating but hey that's that's uh that's the game you play with it you know we to cap this one off so i have one more lock left and i don't know if i'm going to spend it i might keep it in the pocket here but we have a fascinating monday night game and i'm not sure most people would think of it as fascinating but i'm actually very intrigued by this game we have giants and chiefs and it's in kansas city and it's chiefs minus nine and a half 
I will offer you this for all the talk about like Patrick Mahomes and all that. And I think he's pressing because he has a terrible defense, but they've clearly figured him out. The Tennessee Titans who on paper coming into the season, were going to have at best, if their off season acquisitions had cashed a hundred percent, a top 20 defense, like not bottom, not bottom 10 defense is the best way to describe that in the NFL. And they've lost three corners. And they held the Kansas City Chiefs to without a touchdown. That was one of the more shocking results I've seen in the NFL in the last five years. Not necessarily the Titans won, but the way the game played out. So do you think the Chiefs are broken? Surely they're not going three and five. But I guess the question I'll ask is, with Danny Dimes looking like a competent quarterback, things around him are not going well. Can you really lay nine and a half with the Chiefs here? Are you going to? Um. Golly, I mean, exactly. This is kind of an interesting game for some bad reasons, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, I'm gonna go with the Giants. I'll do it. I'll I'll, I'll pull the trigger on it. I think I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna keep the lock in the holster because I'd like to preserve my record. Not that it matters at all or that we actually keep up with this, but I don't feel confident enough to lock it. It's more of just the gesture. But I think I'm gonna go not Giants plus nine and a half. I, I, I can't trust Kansas City. Minus nine against anyone. I swear to God, if they played the Texans right now, or the uh, maybe the Jets, that's a different category. If they played the Texans right now and it was minus 10 Kansas City, I, I really am not sure I could go with them. So I, I'm going Giants as well. What a weird, weird game. My God, can you imagine what happens if Danny Doms comes in? Danny Doms could get a new contract by winning this game, could he not? He could live off this for months <laughs> and years. <laughs> I agree. I mean, you know, it's just like, uh, I mean, at, at one point, you know, Kansas City was uh, unstoppable and, and they, they were going to, you know, be undefeated. And now they're, you know, lost, to, you know, two two games and they, they don't look so undefeated. So, uh, yeah, I mean, why not? Give, give Danny Dimes a, a lifetime contract if he wins this game. That's honestly a fitting into a very weird slate of games in the NFL this week. We are through week eight in the NFL with our picks. It flies by as always, as I keep repeating just old Mike Francesa cliches. We're half. No, we're not halfway done. We got 18 weeks this year. What the hell am I saying? We are close to halfway done. Appreciate the time as always, Greg. Uh, we'll obviously check him out. LB's university Avenue. Got a home couple home games coming up. I'll be back for the uh, A&M game. Got Liberty in between. Uh, appreciate the time, dude. We'll holler at you next week. Yeah, as always. Uh, and uh, Go out there and get you some Manscaped. All right, that's our show. Really appreciate if you made it to the end. Uh, it's been cool seeing this podcast grow, interacting with people along the way. I really do appreciate it. It's been become a lot of fun and something I look forward to doing three times a week. And uh, sign up, Rippy Rights newsletter, rippyrights.substack.com. Check out that LB special and uh, all kinds of other deals that you get for being a Rippy Wright subscriber. You get a newsletter from me three to five times a week for free, plus all these different perks. Everybody have a safe and happy Halloween weekend. Don't do anything I wouldn't do or would do. I can't control you. We're all adults here. Uh, drink some beer and some, uh, you know, ridiculous clothing. Have fun. Watch some football. Be safe, and Walter and I will catch up with you guys on Sunday. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.